Albuquerque's macro aggression. Eddie Aragon, the rock of talk. Five here on this Tuesday afternoon. I'm Eddie Aragon, the Rock of Talk on AM 1600, KIVABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com. 550-5500 is the number to call broadcasting from the El Paso del Norte Hotel in downtown El Paso. You can check us on Roku TV, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV, podcasting on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify. And don't forget, you can download our apps directly at rockoftalk.tv and rockoftalk.com. Got an exciting show lined up for you. Folks, I'm all caught up on the blast coming out of rockoftalk.chat. For the complete and total annotated notes and, uh, I should say, unabbreviated, uh, commercial-free, you can find them for less than 20 cents a day in addition to the great writings. And we go back into the annals of history at D. Dowd Muska, DowdMuska.com, as he uh, runs the replays of the last 30 years of his proud policy. Uh, uh, it's going to be October, folks, where it's 30 years. We should have a 30-year D. Dowd Muska party, and that's certainly a long time to go ahead and serve every community, uh, not to mention serving the Rock of Talk community for the last couple of years. Don't forget, folks, we're also the first on Substack, and I'm glad to be uh, part of that uh, great platform. Glenn Greenwald, a lot of people would think because, well, he's a liberal, we wouldn't have jumped on board with it. Uh, folks, it, it is everything and then some. Everyone's jumping on Substack uh, because you can't do anything to filter out the news that you put out there. We put it out every day at 4 a.m. The writings come out about 2 p.m. one Monday, Wednesday and, Wednesdays and Fridays, and starting April 1st, we'll have uh, the D. Dowd Muska back in time on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, and then we'll have uh, our travel logs uh, from wherever I happen to be broadcasting from. Glad to be doing so in downtown El Paso. Brand new show beginning this Saturday, folks. It's going to be Saturdays in the Salon, and uh, looking forward to that. It's going to be uh, Saturdays uh, connecting with the community, talking about what we do. We'll have a little bit of Spirits of New Mexico as well, which is going to be factored into all of that, and then, uh, you know, a great lineup, as always, uh, on Saturdays. Hour one, a little bit of fun with D-Dowd Muska. How are you, Dowd? Uh, I am delighted, sir, because I just discovered right before we went on the air that uh, I will be making my first visit to, I guess, the uh, the locus of corruption in the in the state of New Mexico, the, um, the belly of the beast, Spaceport America itself, uh, having an open house on April 10th, and uh, they will not allow you in unless there's more than one person in your car. Uh, and I signed up myself and a certain radio station owner uh, who's currently out of state uh, for the visit. I think it's between, we can go between 10 a.m. And, and 2 p.m. on Sunday, April 10th. So um, Mr. Aragon confirmed he's going to at least make a strong effort to be there for me or they will not let me in. Absolutely. You have to carpool because we got to be green. <laughs> um, Eddie, it's a dream of a lifetime. I've written about it so much, but I've never actually been on the site. And that's coming up on April 10th. Well, let's not forget what happened. I ran into Blue Origin. They were staying at the Hotel Stanton, the Stanton House in downtown El Paso before their launch today. I have to ask, Dowd, I didn't keep up with it, but uh, did Blue Origin launch into space with six of its uh, members, uh, the longest-serving engineer, and then four paying people uh, jumped on board? And I sent Dowd a picture of all the people who were there. I was rubbing elbows with those billionaires, millionaires, whoever they happen to be, who are paying. And I also want to let uh, Dowd know that I also did 
did sign up. And you can do so at blueorigin.com if you want to be launched into space. I believe they're probably going to have somewhere between two to 250 launches a year next year. I believe uh, the following year they'll probably go, I don't know, about four or 500. But I definitely want to take a trip on the Blue Origin post. I should be able to afford it, uh, afford it by then. It should be a little bit more economical. Um, and by economical, I mean they're probably estimating post 25, 26, it's going to be somewhere between uh, thirty to fifty thousand uh, dollars to go ahead and take off. So I don't know about, uh, yeah, I don't know about you, Dowd, but uh, I got to say that uh, that certainly seems like uh, achievable. So maybe I'll be able to get to space by the time twenty thirty rolls around. I'm uh, certainly hoping that we got an ex- uh, I got an exciting. Sh- yeah, sure, sure. Blue Origin, uh, it was moved. It was supposed to be earlier this week. It's uh, we're gonna. It's scheduled because of all this kind of unsettled weather we've had in the Southwest. Uh, Seven thirty a.m. tomorrow morning. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, there is one reason why I will get up before ten a.m. And that's when uh, space launches occur. Uh, and you know, never, never really at Spaceport America, but I usually get up and watch the Blue Origin launches. So uh, seven thirty a.m. And they always do a simulcast. Uh, live uh, from their website. So you can watch it, folks, and see all those space tourists taking off from the state next door to New Mexico, not actually New Mexico. Yeah, that is uh, true. The uh, We've had some terrible weather down here in El Paso. I don't think it's, uh, you know, I've been uh, by the pool talking to lots of different people uh, today. It's been a great Tuesday, folks, uh, no doubt about it. And um, I'm happy to be back in the in warm environs of uh, Albuquerque tomorrow. I do miss it a little bit, but uh, we had 60, 50 to 60 mile an hour gusts uh, down here in El Paso. Not sure what it's like uh, up in Albuquerque, but certainly uh, tough. Uh, speaking of gusts, uh, some heavy comedic uh, wind uh, blew through, reminding us that we lost the great one, and that, of course, is Rush Limbaugh. And, you know, we work so hard on this show. I think you guys work hard in whatever endeavor you're pursuing. Or, I mean, you know, I think it's incumbent upon us to remind everybody, you know, not just what we do here for you, but you know, all the great ones, uh, including the late, great Rush Limbaugh. And, Dowd, I was disappointed to see this report um, because I don't know that anybody worked harder, put together a better show, brought better analysis than, the, uh, than Rush Limbaugh himself. And this comedian was anything but funny, but I think it's a gentle reminder of uh, just what people try to do because you become a target uh, for the liberal left and certainly this is one of those cases doubt and uh, uh, what she said was anything but funny yeah um, this is another one of these uh, comedians you know they've all become woke uh, unfunny uh, and, and, and some of these the sad thing is some of these guys are talented they've been stand-ups or they've written for uh, uh, award shows or you know adult animation you know Simpsons and all that kind of stuff uh, I think Dana Gold wrote for the uh, Gould wrote for the Simpsons once uh, back back in the '90s. Um, he tweeted out something about Rush Limbaugh, and, and Eddie, I don't even think it was just connected to anything. No one, no one had prompted this. This just came up from his own uh, sick soul, uh, thinking about Rush Limbaugh and how now that he's dead, you never ever hear about him. No one mentions anything he did because what he did had no value. It contributed nothing worthwhile to the culture nothing of lasting value. And when I first saw this, I I just thought, Eddie, maybe 48 hours before I saw this, someone had called in and and, and did a music request for one of the the, the parody songs that Rush had, the Inner Yugo, uh, in response to the gas prices. Uh, We talk about Rush probably every couple of days. Uh, Maybe in Dana Gould's little Hollywood, Southern California, uh, too cool for the room, too hip uh, uh, for middle America, uh, comedians hanging out at the comedy cellar or the comedy club, they don't talk about Rush Limbaugh. A lot of folks on the right, and even a few of us libertarians, 
Uh, we'll talk about Rush Limbaugh fairly regularly, well well after his death. So it just shows the, the media bubble that these people are in. It's really kind of pathetic, really. Yeah, no doubt about it. But I think, uh, you know, it's important because we know that politics have an impact and we know that the viewpoints and the opinionators, uh, if you will, or the conservative hosts or whatever the conservative, whatever the talkers, uh, if you will, that's what we call them in the industry, is actually go to talkers.com. You can see the top 100 and Art Bell and Rush Limbaugh are right there, but they are influencers. Um, they constantly talk about uh, the latest policies, the latest viewpoints, what's happening in politics all the time. And if you don't think that, you know, politics doesn't have uh, consequences, take a look at how political COVID got or, you know, when it comes to Ukraine, or we, we can go back on any one of these things, uh, you know, about how much conservative radio impacted the 2016 election. So if you think that uh, Rush Limbaugh didn't have an impact or nobody talks about him or he was unimportant, you have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, he shaped he shaped culture. Uh, definitely one of the most 100 influential people, I think, in history. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I think he's influenced uh, policy and values for the last 40 years. And I think you will continue to see uh, as he has set the standard uh, for overnight, overnight radio that of course was uh, our bell uh, and coast to coast AM which we of course carry uh, as well so I mean it's hugely positive uh, I think for all of us to hear that viewpoint that's prepared that's informed and that gives uh, good insight set up the show for us we're going to kick things off with uh, Biden's uh, well budget and uh, he's playing with the numbers they saw it's kind of interesting graph so we'll get to that but the rest of the show will include Dowd yeah, we're gonna, as Eddie said, we're going to do a, a little bit of a deep dive on this fiscal situation. Biden has released his budget and uh, at $30 trillion, uh, he wants to, uh, he's claiming to be sort of fiscally responsible, even though the budget deficits will actually increase. And we're going to spend a little time on that ridiculous proposal to tax unrealized gains, investment gains. So you aren't making money. It's only paper money. It's only real until you sell it. But if you're not going to sell it, we're still going to tax you on it, which is, ooh, I'm only just laughing uh, with, with with irony. Uh, so a little fiscal dive at the beginning. Uh, then we're going to get into the NFL. Uh, I'm not a sports guy, but it, but again, subsidization. When it when you're when you're taking money out of my pocket to subsidize something, then I do think it's absolutely my business. We're looking at two new uh, two new stadiums for NFL teams one in a deep blue area one in a fairly red area they're going to be eluding your pocket at a time when the nfl is more woke than ever you are paying for this stuff ladies and gentlemen Un unbelievable uh we're going to finally do some national politics we haven't done uh, too much of that really in the this week or, or much of last week uh good news about biden's popularity rating uh, reaches a, a new low i've got the latest atrocity from uh, mitt romney don't get me started on that and some more creepy sexual stuff going on in our political world. Uh, it seems like it just won't go away. Uh, we've got some data on religion, the religion's role. You know, I'm a, I'm a big demographic cultural guy. I'm looking down the road to see what, uh, where, what our nation is becoming. So we'll probably have some, uh, maybe even have some points of disagreement uh, about that. And then the third hour, we'll be back to uh, New Mexico. There's just a slew of stories we've just got to cover about Boy, does this state make bad decisions. And we tried to get to it yesterday, and we did, weren't able to. Uh, Intel not able to find the qualified people it needs uh, here in greater Albuquerque, even though it's over the border in Sandoval County, the, the metro area. Intel would rather pay fines back for the corporate welfare it receives 
and bring in people from out of state, out of region, uh, in order to hire competent people in New Mexico. We're going to kick off uh, with that in the third hour, and we're also going to get into free lunches and uh, the fact that uh, Native Americans in our state uh, are not allowed to vote. Uh, I don't know where that fiction comes from. Uh, women in our state are suffering the most from the economic downturn. Uh, Damon oh, wow. Eli, uh, or I call him Damon Heli, uh, he is uh, leaving the legislature. He's got some very choice comments about that. And we've got Marty Heinrich, uh, uh, Zap Heinrich, I call him, because he's Mr. Directed Energy Laser Beam. Uh, a couple of his flunkies are faring very well promoting our new cannabis industry uh at your expense ladies and gentlemen so uh it is another loaded 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 show uh and he's a couple hundred miles away but this show roars forward and he is uh, dialing in from uh, the free state of texas and it's going to be it's going to be another hot one ladies and gentlemen it'll be another good one glad to have you on board here for uh this wonderful tuesday march the 29th back after a quick break eric producing in studios your calls fielded as well as your text messages 550 50 500 that's 550 50 500 on the five line thanks everybody for tuning in back and forth right here in the kiva All right, some music of Elvis Presley broadcasting from the El Paso Norte Hotel right here in downtown El Paso. I'm Eddie Aragon with me, T-Dowd Muska, and we're going to talk about the wealth tax that they're trying to pass. And, you know, Reason Magazine seemingly always gets it right. I'm always glad uh, to be paying attention to this. I think uh, now more so that uh, doubt has been with us. But again, here we go once again. You know, with all the things that uh, Biden ran on to try to be middle of the road, and now he is just, he's not inching, he's leaping towards the progressive left, folks. Uh, and that is all in his attempt, I think, to try and keep hold to a certain degree of the progressive left's need to take over what's left of the, uh, the Democrat Party. That's why uh, I've already predicted you're going to see Ocasio-Cortez and Michelle Obama, uh, and Michelle Obama being the top of that ticket, versus likely DeSantis and, uh, I don't know, Candace Owens, or so there'll be some minority that the Republicans are going to include in all this. And I think that's a pretty formidable, regardless of Candace Owens' experience, I think she's young, attractive, and black. And I think it wouldn't be a bad idea to include her on a ticket. I don't know her age, uh, but all that. Uh, DeSantis can handle things. But you can imagine throwing Candace Owens around. I mean, if you can make the celebrity or a celebrity who plays the piano with his penis uh, president of a place like, uh, you know, the Ukraine. So uh, I'm, I'm sure we, we yeah, <laughs> we can do whatever we want uh, to do. But let's get to this this ridiculous wealth tax because this is uh, pretty something I was paying attention to this from the standpoint of well Nancy Pelosi and other progressive leftist people are like well I'm on board with you know not passing this wealth tax and you know there's a, an angle here that uh, is sort of potentially unconstitutional in all this and I'll, I'll tell you I, I laugh when I say. 
and here's the we're going to get to this point uh, through all this of them deciding to table your ability to pay if your assets are liquid. You rich people who are storing in real estate and all this, that tax bill could potentially hang over you. And then we're going to flip it on you when we start talking about the Social Security. You're going to be the sort of the same kind of conversation going back uh, into the other direction. By the way, uh, uh, getting a text in, I like DeSantis, Tim, Tim Scott. It's going to be a minority on the underside. It's a very, uh, I should say, very popular thing. We're doing it here in the state of New Mexico, making sure we have a you know a white boy at the top of the Republican ticket, uh, coupled with a uh, you know a black uh, underling. It's just sort of the way the Republican Party works. Uh, dare I say it? I think you need to go a little bit more Hispanic, but I digress. I think we really. I'm going to continue, Dowd. I hate to tell you, but I'm going to focus more on race in the Republican Party. I think it's a big winner if we could. You know, let's not forget who the first nine congressional uh, representatives were in in uh, the Republican Party. They were black Republicans. I think it's important to get the uh, Hispanics on board with that. But we're also going to start focusing uh, back to the article and back to, I think, the comparison is that can you imagine if you start charging the federal government on your Social Security that's paid in and when you can draw out and when you can? Yeah, I think there's a little bit of that. But this is a very good article. Sound, <clears throat> pardon the pun here, Dad, reasoning and all this. And glad you included it. Yeah, Eddie, and I think just we should probably set the table here because. Uh, Folks that might not have been following this, this this notion of a, of a wealth tax, uh, taxing you on uh, the value of your wealth, and, and this gets a little sophisticated because most of us are not uh, billionaires, uh, and and most of us are not. Uh, most people are kind of wage slaves. They don't own businesses, and they don't have their assets tied up in in either you know, privately owned or you know or publicly traded stock. Um, they're going to want to, ta- for example, one of the reasons Elon Musk is the majority of the reason Elon Musk is worth today, I don't know about tomorrow because anything can happen tomorrow, but right now he's worth so much uh, is because Tesla stock is so, uh, well, I guess you could say expensive or you could say it's valued highly by, by, by people who purchase stock. So uh, he has that wealth on paper though. Uh, this, this idea that maybe that Bernie Sanders or AOC or these lunatics think uh, that, that people like Elon Musk go back to their mansions and like Scrooge McDuck uh, they open the safe and then they go swimming through all their gold coins. Um, the value of so much of their wealth is tied up in the business. Now, what's the business? It's the assets, the infrastructure, the production lines that are putting out Tesla cars, uh, the people uh, the, that they are employing, basically. That's the value, the vast majority of their wealth. And yeah, they, they may have a couple of mansions, they may own some artwork, but the vast majority of for people like Elon Musk, I'm, I'm not talking about the Paris Hiltons of the world who inherited it from granddaddy, okay, or great granddaddy. Uh, people, a lot of free market analysts have done studies over the years, uh, Eddie, looking at the wealthiest people in America, uh, you know, while all the big financial magazines track, you know, who's the wealthiest and how many are self-made millionaires and billionaires. It's, it's you know, sometimes I think it's even nor- north of 80%. So you have this right. wealth on paper. Uh, people like Elizabeth Warren, idiots like Elizabeth Warren, idiots like Bernie Sanders look at that and say, well, you're rich, so uh, we're going to tax you on that wealth but of course it's only on paper and um i was thinking as as preparing this article eddie last night uh that wonderful documentary that you recommended to all of us and and you and i haven't spoken about this this was months ago uh general magic the the documentary oh yeah right developed so much yeah uh, of the uh, you know graphical graphical user interface and the mobile the gooey yeah that's right the gooey they were too early to the market 
And this company, this startup, uh, General Magic, had a massive valuation. And on paper, the people at General Magic, you know, the top tier, those people were super wealthy, probably in the hundreds of millions of dollars. The company, when it, when its first product came out and they went to the, uh, what was it, the Fry's Electronics and Palo Alto and, and nobody showed up. And this was going to be the, the transformative technology. Right. That is exactly. Documentary, Eddie, and I recommend, I'm thank mm-hmm. you so much for recommending it to me and I recommend it to everyone else, uh, General Magic. Mm-hmm. You can have brilliant people doing amazing things and it still doesn't work. Uh, you're too late to the market. You're too early to the market. So anyway, what these idiots, Ron Wyden, Biden, uh, Elizabeth Warren, this wealth tax, taxing unrealized uh, wealth because you haven't sold your stock, you haven't converted it uh, into cash. Uh, it's, it's it's madness, uh, completely madness. And so this analyst at Reason uh, takes a more of a, of a deep dive on this, looks at one part of it. Uh, the New York Times apparently reported that um, there may be a way they could owe um, – you can uh, you can pay later uh, as long as you pay an interest uh, payment. Okay, so you could pay it later, and I just I it's un, just un, unbelievable. And so then what he gets into is how if you logically extend that. Okay, uh, have fun with these these concepts. Okay, um, if you're illiquid uh, and you may end up paying your wealth tax later with interest, what if the rest of taxpayers applied that same concept to the federal government? under the theory that turnabout is fair play, uh, we would have the, you could send the government an invoice for all the future value of your social security and Medicare payments. Uh, they owe it to me, right? They're, they're gonna pay it to me, right? So if you demanded the money now, it's just a prepayment of the federal obligations uh, that you will owe to me later. Uh, also, uh, the author says, I'd like the value of the future defense spending and social security, Medicare spending that my children and possible future grandchildren will benefit from uh, uh, like that money from Washington, I'd like it from now uh, as a prepayment, uh, please. If every taxpayer made this demand, the government wouldn't have enough money to pay right away. It would be illiquid. Uh, the government would have to do what it does now, borrow by issuing bonds and paying the money back later with interest. The government can also create money right. the magic of the Federal Reserve. But when let, let me that, make a, uh, let me make question. a, let me make a point of clarification here that I think is important for anybody who's dealing with taxes or this is a frozen point in time, going back to Dowd's point about General Magic. So General Magic was valueless, but there was a valuation and, you know, this predates IPO and this would kill entrepreneurship. So essentially what you'd have is a lot of various people out there, Dowd, who would be wanting to go ahead and and create uh, some type of idea, but the capitalization would start factoring in into all this and you would say well ostensibly it could be worth x amount uh and x plus y and then the federal government would come in and say well you know this today in 2022 it's pretended to be i don't know worth 10 billion where it's uh, only worth like 5 million because it has a yet uh, an idea to, to to actually take off what the federal government would do under t- uh, biden's tax plan it would value it on its pretended value or what it could be without it being realized and then you run into some real issues this would be the same as and this is the point that Dowd's making is these entrepreneurs these people who have the initial public offerings or run this stuff it would freeze and stop any and all innovation because nobody would want to create something that's worth anything and then you'd never have ipos either people would be like well i don't want to take that to market it's not worth anything until it actually hits the market there's the good and bad side of it but if we flip that 
uh, logic, as Dowd just uh, intended there, which is, hey, the government says that we haven't realized what this is. It's like, I want to get paid on this stuff today. And I don't want it to be in value dollars, 10, 20, 30, whenever I'm 62 and a half or 65 or 68, I want my money today. So you could basically pull your money with the same logic that they're, they're pushing out here uh, you know, uh, pre, uh, retirement on the social security stuff. And I think it makes a lot of sense. This, this is a slippery slope that they have opened up, but I think the political angle of all this, as I was reading this and I read it a second time is this is the federal government letting you know that they are going to control your assets, whether or not they are realized or not. And this is the beginning of complete and total control and going more towards not just socialism, but complete and total communism, because it is going to prevent you and it's going to allow the government to capture that innovation for itself, rather than you being the capitalist who could capture the, the innovation for you and your investors. There won't be investors if this passes. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it, it, something's only a value to you if you can convert, if you can sell it to someone. So if if the if the ground beneath you changes, uh, if there's some sort of regulatory change, they're going to clamp down on your business. Uh, if the federal government uh, sues your company for antitrust, if a big competitor enters the market, you know, a Jeff Bezos comes along in your industry and says, I'm I'm going to I'm going to carve out a role with my hundreds of billions uh, on this. If there's an economic downturn, downturn if there's a you have a bad even one bad quarterly report or the analysts look unfavorably on on what's happening to your business all that all that value on paper can vanish very very quickly once again the documentary is general magic these people in a sense Eddie the people who were developing that if general magic had taken off they would be the bezos and the elon musk people they would be worth hundreds of billions of dollars of dollars guess what the whole thing fell apart so um, I know in Bernie world, uh, maybe Elizabeth Warren world, uh, you know, economic reality never really penetrates their brains. Uh, but this would be uh, enormously destructive. And I will uh, I will just sum up uh, everything we've been talking about with I think it might have been Milton Friedman, possibly Milton Friedman, uh, when he would debate his left wing opponents. And he would say, it's funny how you lefties talk about the profit, uh, the profit focus and the profit orientation. Uh, capitalism is not a a profit system. It's a profit and loss system. There's a hell of a lot of loss out there. You only want to focus on the profit. Some people do succeed. There's a lot of failure out there too. And one of the ways to really uh, ensure uh, a failure and ensure that a lot of products and services never come to market is to poison the well with something like an unrealized gains tax, that the you know, so-called wealth tax. Uh, madness, madness, madness. Uh, only someone as dumb as, say, Bernie or Elizabeth Warren, or maybe Ben Ray Lujan, whatever sign on to something like this, Eddie. I think it's an important thing to note here, a couple of uh, important points from the article. It says there's one way in which the taxpayers have more power than the tax collectors, and that's who these politicians are trying to be, and it's at the ballot box. This is why elections have consequences. Can you imagine the wealthiest among us deciding not to invest and innovate and create new ideas as there's a race for that? You would not not just have the mediocrity of the United States established, but it would be confirmed at that point because R&D is what has led the way. Our drug pharmaceutical companies, our tech companies, heck, our rise into space. Do you see private companies in various other parts of the world racing to get to space? Do they have a Blue Origin or uh, whatever Elon Musk company is, is called? Yeah, you don't have any of these types of things that are taking place. When you innovate and you advance the opportunity for these people to get rewarded instead of penalized for growing and creating, well, 
once you start penalizing that, you have no more creation, you have no more wealth, you have no new ideas. The iPhone wouldn't have been invented without General Magic. General Magic wouldn't have been uh, without people who were sort of seeing forward. I think it's an important uh, uh, lesson for all of us to learn. And this is just simply a tax policy, the Biden tax policy. This is good for uh, discussion for each and every one of us. It's an amazing article. Dowd will post in the show notes tonight. And I love this line. If every taxpayer made this demand, right? Back to them to flip it on its head. The government wouldn't have enough money to pay right away back all the people who were paying into the system. The government itself is a liquid. You as people have the power, folks. The government would have to do what it does now. Borrow by issuing bonds, paying the money back later with interest. The government can also create money through the magic of the Federal Reserve. Think about that for a second. Who is the United States run by, right? It's essentially a corporation that's run by borrowed money from the Federal Reserve. It's all fiat currency that's being issued based upon a valuation that isn't necessarily there because we lost the gold standard when? A long time ago. Well, here's a takeaway that we want to get uh, to with Biden. This is all just shifting numbers on a piece of paper. And I saw this ridiculous graphic and like, oh, yeah, this is a good idea. Debt held by the public would rise from $24.8 trillion to thirty. What, what's a few trillion here? What's a few trillion there? And I saw this Bud, uh, Biden budget proposal, and it goes down in 2022, but it spikes back up to 2023. 20. Here's what it does is it points just like that. It's like, it's like taking out one of those bad payday loans. You're going to end eventually have to pay it with all the interest a lot later on. It sounds good temporarily. Politically, for him and his team, all every and Cato does a great job of breaking this apart. But what it doesn't do is it doesn't actually solve the problem of our crushing debt that is riding this country, and that is ultimately going to lead to the destabilization of the U.S. dollar as our currency. And you're going to go ahead and have to peg a new, a brand new currency. Uh, I don't know what that currency is ultimately going to be. I don't think it's going to be. Um, you know, what a lot of people are, are now referring to is sort of the Bitcoin type of currency or something else. But the U.S. dollar, based upon the valuation of the debt that is crushing the U.S. economy, we are not going to be able to keep the U.S. dollar past 2025. There just, uh, there just isn't any way, and we aren't going to be able to solve our debt uh, crisis doubt. Yeah, and even even for Washington, this hypocrisy on on from the Biden administration on uh, we're being fiscally responsible responsible. I mean, this budget assumes that they're going to get the wealth tax, which, frankly, Eddie, I think you know Charles Schumer, uh, Dick Blumenthal, you know New York and Connecticut. There are a lot of their big rich funders are not going to be happy about this. They don't support the wealth tax, so we're not even sure if you're going to they're going to get this. They're just assuming all that money is going to come in from the wealth tax. Uh, even assuming that. As you said, we're going to get a little bit of improvement in the deficit situation, but that's more driven by the economy coming back after coronavirus. Don't forget, we have a whole bunch of states, not New Mexico, but we have a whole bunch of states like Nebraska and Utah where unemployment's you know, 2.3%. Um, we're going to be heading, we're going to lock in the spending that will far surpass uh, the economic recovery. Spending will rise under the Biden plan over the next 10 years. This is the federal government, $5.85 trillion going up to $8.87 trillion at a time when we already have our 30 trillion uh in in uh, national debt uh it's just it's just it's it's unbelievably irresponsible and i will bash both parties on this eddie because every time the party that's in the minority right uh, yep. in washington uh it, w- w- when you when you fall into the minority when you don't have the president anymore you'll rail about deficits and then of course when you when you get the power of the purse back oh boy you want to spend away for all your favorite uh, constituency so that hypocrisy is rank but 
don't buy it, folks. Do not. I mean, come on. It's Joe Biden's administration. What the heck are you doing? Believe in anything, they say. Uh, and we're on path to uh, greatly uh, impoverish our children, grandchildren and great grandchildren. And nobody in Washington cares, apparently. No, they don't. And uh, Republicans love government money as much as Democrats. Nope. We'll get your last congressional candidate in CD1, uh, the payouts uh, directly to him. Uh, they all look for that kind of money that uh, directly gets issued from the government money. You can't move that G line and move the, the uh, country forward. You have to have uh, innovation. You have to have entrepreneurship and you have to have a lack of penalties for the people who are taking the risks. It can't all be state employees. One of the reasons why New Mexico is failing is we have 36 and a half percent of our entire employment base in the state of New Mexico, uh, which is guaranteed by the government. That is not going to be there uh, for very much longer. What happens after that? Well, that's a, a topic for a different show entirely. Uh, we'll go ahead and take a quick break. Uh, when we return, Dowd, what do we got? Uh, the NFL and your wallet, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, well, I know those guys like to make a lot of money, and uh, but they also like to do lots of lockouts. Uh, we know Major League Baseball, you know, held firm on that. They wanted to make sure coming out of COVID and everything else that they wanted to get paid. And I don't know about you, but uh, I don't really have an appetite for Major League Baseball. I'll go watch the AAA guys uh, who get paid twenty to $25,000, and they'll play a lot harder to make it to the big leagues. But I have, uh, I have no love for Major League Baseball at all, and I certainly hope that uh, – that, that the NFL would avoid those pitfalls. But we know that they're woke, they're going broke, and there's nothing worse than getting those uh, stadiums subsidized by the taxpayers. We're going to talk about two such cities when we return. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Broadcasting live from the El Paso del Norte Hotel in downtown El Paso, Texas. I'm Eddie Aragon, D. Dowd Muska, back in the Kiva. We'll be back in four. Thanks for listening.
448 here in the Kiva. I'm Eddie Eric on the Rock of Talk AM 1600 KIV FM. I don't know that I'll be watching any NFL football unless Tom Brady's involved. I got to tell you that doubt. I just, I just am not. I'm not really that interested in it. Um, but uh, here's another reason why so many people are boycotting the NFL. And we're about to get to, into that. We've got lots and lots of texts coming in. Let me just read a, a few of them, uh, if I might uh, doubt, uh, to kind of kick things off. Randy checks in. He says, I recently discovered the Frontier Restaurant. We certainly love that place. Nice conversations. Exactly what I heard about UNM on your show. They could be Biden's speechwriters. That's very funny. Out there beyond reality, thanks for your great show every single day. That is uh, uh, Randy uh, who checks in. Duke checks in. Rush to living rent-free in this pathetic comedian's mind. Looks like a nice hotel in El Paso, by the way. You definitely want to get down here and uh, check it out. Uh, it is a beautiful place. I like DeSantis and Tim Scott that comes from uh, one of our favorite listeners out there, Dr. Uh, Dr. Schaffner. International Treaty on Pandemic Prevention, Preparedness, and Response. This from Wikipedia, Didad Muska. The WHO uh, wants to control 194 countries under just their authority. The International Treaty on Pandemic Prevention, Preparedness, and Response on Pandemic Treaty is a proposed international agreement to strengthen pandemic prevention, preparedness, and response. Don't forget, folks, they just approved the second booster shot, and they're going to make that mandatory, uh, despite the fact that nobody seems to be suffering. That uh, Some great articles in Substack, I'll get to those uh, a little bit later on. 194 World Health Organization member states agreed in December 21 to begin negotiations on a global pandemic treaty, aiming for a draft agreement to be finalized by May of 2024 for consideration by the 77th World Health Assembly. That is directly off the Wikipedia page. Thanks, Gordo, for that one. Eddie, what are the implications of this proposed tax on retirement savings? I don't think it has anything to do with it, but it will now because normally those things can be tabled, protected, and sort of separated. Now, going forward, uh, that's going to be counted in the quote-unquote booty, according to the government, that G-line uh, that you're uh, sort of controlling uh, for your Social Security uh, taxes probably isn't going to be touched, but your wealth retirement and your savings is going to be counted, and it will probably be counted uh, annually. I think that's one of the things that uh, Biden's uh, tax plan will change. We'll see about that. I haven't read it all. Unrealized gains? What about the unrealized losses that are now coming in, Eddie? There's no deduction for losses in any of this. It will just eat wealth and, like you said, kill investment. Uh, that, of course, uh, from one of our uh, very best listeners. Uh, we'll just call him K-Man. Uh, and then find finally taxed on future value. I don't know what the limitations are, but they will change. Homeowners, gun, art collectors, imagine being taxed on these things given this year's inflation alone. Yep. We are headed towards uh, full-blown communism uh, should that wealth tax uh, decide. And those people who have a lot of that wealth, well, they've got enough, enough wealth to go ahead and say, up yours, we're going to pick up and we're going to leave uh, the uh, country of the United States of America. And likely who won't be leaving is the NFL, their players, and uh, they'll probably figure out some sort of weird, weird loophole, uh, especially those owners, those very woke owners. A lot of stuff happening in the offseason with Brian Flores claiming racism. Uh, now he got hired over the pick Steelers. The NFL is just a ridiculous organization. I hope uh, Tom Brady comes in and wins the Super Bowl this next year. Dowd, what do we know about the NFL? Well, I'm just glad Eric played our, our football theme there because, ladies and gentlemen, we are uh, about to conduct here on the Rock of Talk the Super Bowl of subsidies on CBS. You are looking live at your wallet and all of the dollar bills flowing out of it. Uh, Buffalo 
far, far, far from New Mexico, up upstate New York, cold, snowy Buffalo. They're getting eight hundred and fifty million dollars in taxpayer uh, dollars, of course, and and uh, you know this this ultimately affects all of us uh, when you're talking about the, the the going out onto the debt markets and you know tax free bonds that governments float uh, to support these facilities. Uh, they're going to get uh, from the county and from the state. Uh, a total of $850 million for their new stadium, even though their owner is uh, an extremely uh, wealthy fellow. The governor of uh, New York, <clears throat> she's a Buffalo native. And guess what? Her husband is an executive with the company that has the concessions for the current stadium and is likely to have the concessions uh, for the for the renewed new new built stadium. That's kind of funny. All right. Now, uh, New York, who cares? Is New York is liberal, is blue, just awful, awful. Let's go to a place that you'd think of would be, I don't know, kind of red. How about Tennessee? Does it get much redder than Tennessee? USA Today, a number of years ago, picked Franklin, Tennessee as the reddest community in America. The Republican governor there is asking for a $500 million uh, subsidy for a new stadium for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, I looked this up, Eddie, online. I believe the current stadium is only 20 years old. Uh, they want to wreck that and build a uh, a brand new one just uh, to, uh, I guess, just nearby the current one. Uh, they're selling this as, oh, uh, if we have an enclosed stadium now, then, we're, then we can invite the Super Bowl, college basketball is the final four, uh, the college football playoffs, all sorts of concerts. Uh, Eddie, there is no public policy or economic pr- development proposal uh, in America, probably globally, that has more agreement, more agreement, left, right, center, libertarian, uh, policy analysts, economists, that spending taxpayer dollars on sports stadiums is a an economic loser. Loser. There was across the board agreement on this. And what re- adding insult to injury and what really sets me off here, Eddie, is bad enough on its own, bad enough on its own. But the NFL is one of the economic enterprises in America. There are many, many others, including very large corporations. We talked about what did we talk about yesterday? Uh, Home Depot, Citigroup, uh, you know, those tiny, 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 little, tiny firms. So woke. I went back and um, read that Home Depot article, the most ridiculous article. I, I will never shop at Home Depot again. Not that I shop there very often, but they don't deserve of anybody's dollars, specifically anybody who listens to the Kiva. Uh, on top of that, adding insult to injury in terms of looting the taxpayers for your stadiums. You know, most of these NFL owners worth hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars themselves. Every NFL team, this just went up on uh, Glenn Beck's news site, The Blaze, uh, this morning. Every NFL team is now required to hire one minority offensive uh, offensive assistant coach. The hire can be either uh, an ethnic or racial minority or a female for the 2022 season. That is now a requirement, not a suggestion. And this was imp- approved by... Uh, some sort of kooky uh, Marxist progressive entity. No, the NFL owners meeting yesterday at their annual Florida meeting. I imagine they're in probably a pretty nice venue down there in Florida right now. Uh, They have forced them, uh, the the coaches, to hire uh, offensive uh, assistant coaches. You have to be of the right genitalia or the right uh, skin color. Art Rooney III is very, very uh, proud of this. He's the chairman of the NFL's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee, uh, and they are uh, going to be enforcing this for the 2022 season. It's bad enough, Eddie, when they loot our pocketbook. Uh, when you loot our pocketbook for one of the wokest entities in America, it's way beyond in adding insult to injury. Um, we live in uh, frustrating times, don't we? Well, I look at uh, Kate Mara. She, of course, is a Hollywood. She's one of the hottest uh, women around. Uh, she is the daughter of 
to believe, uh, or granddaughter of the Roonies and that whole woke family. There's a strong connection to Hollywood. Let's not forget uh, who the very woke coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is another reason to hate the Steelers, ladies and gentlemen. It's a very woke team. They hired uh, uh, Brian Flores after the uh, <clears throat> completely unsubstantiated uh, claims against the Denver Broncos. And, uh, you know, I guess you could... Uh, you know, the Denver Broncos, which is truly America's team, and uh, John Elway, uh, you know, they decided to go ahead and do that. Uh, this is an organization that's uh, hell-bent for failure. Uh, it's up to you, America, to decide not to reward the NFL any longer. We did a pretty good job for a time, especially with uh, Colin Kaepernick, but they know that they can keep the pressure up uh, as long as they want. Nike, Coke, um, every other woke corporation out there is going to do it. best way to punish them is remind yourselves and be educated about those companies that fund uh, your wokeism, which now includes uh, Home Depot, McDonald's. I mean, they're all out there espousing for these uh, politically correct angles, Doubt. Uh, and just imagine if the NFL uh, had, <laughs> in terms of uh, on the playing field, if they included diversity, uh, inclusion on the playing field, if they weren't hiring the guys who performed the best at the combine, you know, I mean, you could have, I don't know, like 49 year old libertarians from New Mexico out there catching passes for the Patriots. Or, 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 <laughs> right. uh, you know, that would be real inclusion. Right. But I don't think they're going to extend that to the actual playing field because of course they want to win and they want to make more money and sell more hats and, you know, trinkets and all that sort of thing. So uh, again, disgusting, more hypocrisy. Um, our elites in this country, I don't know, Eddie, they're beyond redemption, aren't they? Yeah, they certainly are. I would agree. Thanks for including this. Uh, the NFL, uh, I think finally we can actually uh, establish what you all thought it was said. Not for long. Uh, not for the millionaires uh, who were there. Remember, uh, generally those millionaires who signed those big bonuses, they're broke after about five, five and a half years. There's a good article and a good study on that. I mean, a lot of the people that go to the NBA, the NBA, I think the same type of thing. You know, these people should be taught how to go ahead and manage uh, their wealth, but the owners aren't interested in that. They're interested in feeding their athletes taking care of their athletes any way they possibly can that and that includes enabling their wokeism which is ultimately going to be destroying their organizations i would rather watch youth sports and minor league sports than i would anything else dad what do we got the next hour as eric takes us out oh we're doing politics 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 the good the bad and the mostly ugly lately We'll do all of that when we return right here in the Kiva. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. AM 1600KIVABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com, hour two, coming at you from the ABQ. I'm live from the El Paso del Norte downtown hotel where five presidents have stayed and two Mexican presidents. Hour two coming at you next.
Albuquerque's macro-aggression. 505 in the 505. I'm Eddie Aragon, the Rock of Talk on AM600 KIVABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com. I know you can't see me, but I am broadcasting live from the Paso del Norte Hotel in downtown El Paso, Texas. Glad to be here in the great state of Texas. Not in the deep part of Texas, but on the border town and uh, Dedad Muska there in studio. Don't forget, you can catch me and all of us live on Roku TV, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV. You can also go ahead and download our podcast on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify, or go commercial-free at rockoftalk.chat with all the annotations. I've been promoting that uh, now. It's very, I'll, I'll tell you, if you don't have the annotations and the notes, you are lost. And uh, I know you only have so many uh, hours in the day, so make sure that you subscribe for less than 20 cents a day. And you can get our complete and total free apps at www.rockoftalk.tv and rockoftalk.com. Covered a lot of ground there in hour one. Rush Limbaugh, the NFL, and I think most importantly, what it means for the wealth tax that's out there. And hour two coming at you in the ABQ. D-Dowd Muska has set up hour two. I'll be back at studio uh, tomorrow looking for that. And uh, our producer, Eric, will be a man about town. I'm also looking forward to that as he uh, interviews various people on topics. And we'll be uh, checking in with him uh, as it's available as part of the reason why I'm down here testing out this technology. Our brand new show, Saturdays in the Salon. Uh, starting uh, this Saturday. I uh, love uh, the concept uh, for that show. Yes, I came up with it myself, and that has to do with uh, long-form interviews, uh, interesting and uh, poignant travels and notes, and uh, I got to tell you, yes, uh, Joe Show is in the club. Uh, we'll be talking with him as well, but uh, a lot of people, you know, just really uh, becoming a part of the Kiva. We appreciate you. I've never had this number of people listen, not just on the app. Uh, we are past two terabytes um, in terms of the number of, of listeners uh, uh, through our throughput on our connections, but we're also uh, past four terabytes on our TV. That's how many listeners that we currently have on our digital apps, uh, which are completely and totally free at Rock of Talk. TV and rockoftalk.com. What do you have set up for us uh, here in hour two, Dad? Well, Eddie, first let me just say uh, the Saturday salon concept is really, really interesting. And I have, uh, you, you've, you've allowed me to, uh, to kick around some ideas. Um, one of the things that I, the, probably the first person I'm going to contact for an interview is, and I talked to my nephew this weekend about it, is there are a couple of Waldorf schools, which is, uh, people have heard of Montessori schools, and, and Waldorf is a sort of a Germanic model. Uh, I, I'm trying to get in touch with some of the, I think there's one in Santa Fe, and there's one up in Taos in terms of the Waldorf approach to education. And we won't really be talking about politics. We won't be talking about ideology or American history or economics or anything, but just that uh, alternate view of education and uh, why Waldorf might be right for your child or grandchildren, in addition to all these other options that are proliferating on the education front uh, that we need to be looking into more and more, because a unionized government monopoly being in charge of K-12 through education, it's a terrible idea, folks. It's an absolutely terrible idea. And there are people like me who get up every day, every day with a smile on my face, hoping, hoping that today will be make more and more progress. Every day will make another step down that path toward destroying monopoly unionized government education. So Eddie, I'm super psyched about the Saturdays. Uh, and I've got a, I know I got to get approval from the station owner, but that's my, my pitch for my first interview for, uh, uh, Saturdays in the salon. No, you, you don't. Here's the thing about that. 
No, no. Here's the thing about this now. Uh, this is your this is your baby. It's your show. You do lo- those long form interviews, and um, something I'm contributing to with some travels. Uh, but what we really want to delve deep is do those deep dives with the interviews with things that we haven't heard of uh, before, and connect with uh, things that are in the community and things that are out there. So no, you you don't have to. I mean, you have uh, you you have clearance. You have clearance, clearance as uh, as uh, Eric does, and uh, everybody else. We also want to talk about culture. We're gonna do about wine, art, you know, opera, music, uh, movies that we've seen. Uh, we'll touch about news that's out there. We'll touch a little bit upon sports insofar it's actually interesting. You know, I have a good connection to the University of New Mexico uh, Lobo community. I want to see a resurgent that. Uh, you know, every, every single thing that's out there, we want to connect to things that are in the community, and we're finally going to be able to do that on uh, Saturday morning. So looking forward to that. But uh, Biden not looking so good in the polls there, Dad. No, he's not. And I th- this is kind of more of an uh, uh, I mean, it's happy to see the numbers down because uh, he's a terrible person running. A, well, maybe not running, but uh, he's at the head of a terrible administration. Uh, new poll numbers, uh, according to The New York Post, they were reporting this a couple of days ago, 40 percent approval rating. And uh, he's even being dunked on by the kooky, kooky, progressive younger types uh, instead of trying to help Joe. They are attacking Joe and basically saying, and in this case, is AOC is saying that uh, he his middle of the road uh, approach to targeting independent voters isn't uh, working. He's uh, betraying the base. Uh, and if he were really doing things like canceling student debt, uh, then the progressives like me, AOC, former bartender, uh, would be supporting him and his numbers w- would be better. That's uh, kind of hard for me to uh, grasp. Uh Eddie, what's interesting to me about this, and I just looked at the numbers, uh, we are now, uh, the nationally, we're at 3.8% unemployment. We have 27 states are below 4%, uh, ranging really all over the country, uh, southeast, uh, even some of those northern tier states. Our beloved Utah and Nebraska are at 2.1% each uh, unemployment. Our neighbor Oklahoma is at 2.6%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average when Biden took office was around 31,000. It stands at a little bit higher than 35,000 now. If you just looked at paper, uh, there's no reason why why Biden is, uh, it would be this unpopular, save for one statistic. And of course, that would be <clears throat> inflation. Overall consumer sentiment yep, exactly. again in March. Consumer sentiment at a time when the national unemployment rate is 3.8%. We're supposed to be surging out of our uh, coronavirus uh, recession. According to the report, uh, the consumer sentiment remained largely unchanged uh, in late March at the same diminished level uh, recorded at mid-month. Inflation has been the primary cause of rising pessimism with an expected year-ahead inflation rate of 5.4%, the highest since November 1981. Inflation was mentioned throughout the survey whether the questions referred to personal finances, uh, prospects for the economy, uh, or uh, assessments of uh, buying conditions. So, Eddie, uh, I- I'm sure Jen Saki is uh, doing her best to tell everyone how wonderful it is. Uh, when moms and dads go out to the grocery store, <clears throat> they see the, tr- the reality of it, and they're taking it out on the president, where I think a heck of a lot of the blame properly lies. I don't know that anybody's really paying attention to politics, but they do pay attention to how much they pay for things. And uh, right now, you know, they think that the country is on autopilot running run by other people uh, who are not Joe Biden, uh, including the very people that are surrounding him. So I think his approval rating is more of um, 
I think, a commitment of just how people feel about, not just about Joe Biden, but about the Democrat Party uh, in general. But I think it's also a testament to how they feel about their politicians. Uh, I don't know where the congressional ratings are right now, but this is something that could have been prevented during Trump's time. He did not make that happen. Uh, the congressional representation, the Republicans, did not make that happen. Uh, as they continue to go ahead, let's not. It was under Trump's watch where we passed the six and a half trillion dollar uh, bailout, where we had our uh, mandatory vaccines that started as well, and uh, we lost control of health policy with Burks and in, in, in Fauci. I think people need to start realizing that your government is not going to save you, and elections aren't going to be that helpful towards you as well. Um, I, I want to go ahead and uh, turn it locally just for a moment and say that your gubernatorial candidates, if they're vaxxed, uh, or if they've said that they're vaxxed or not vaxxed, and then we find out that they're vaxxed, these are people that you should not support because they were not in the fight. And I think that that's also important. I think it's the same thing when it comes to where were these guys uh, during this time from 2020 to 2022. Uh, this is something that could have been prevented. That inflation is going up because we, pr we printed all this funny money while you continued to stay home. And many of these people who've worked for government authorities or need money from the government uh, and grants and bailouts and things like that doubt this is something that's also led to the unbelievable inflation that we've had nearly six percent uh has never been higher since like 1981 it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense for us to continue on this path uh people are getting punished for their success we're seeing it uh get them getting blamed especially with the new wealth tax uh, as well i doubt most of the people that are getting you know that wealth tax that are uh, being set upon them doubt uh, many of those people did it on their own they're self made you know they didn't need the government to go ahead and do uh what they think that they did for them and we need to turn around and pay, pay the government now this is the reason why you're going to continue to see uh biden's numbers fail and i think uh, why people are going to have less and less confidence in uh the people who are running the, this country i think this is why people are having um a lot of confidence in the governor of Texas and the governor of Florida and uh, certainly Christy Noem uh, being the governor of South Dakota. Although it is small, I think she would be a good candidate because we want more freedom and less government. Uh, that seemingly is what is working out there. Well, it's, it's funny. Uh, it just reminded me, Eddie, something I was hoping to get to today, but I'll, I'll just I'll just shoehorn it in right now in terms of the governor's race. I saw uh, when I was off to see my my beautiful English cream golden retrievers this morning. Uh, the the Odyssey, the minivan Odyssey in front of me had a uh, Smokey the Bear sticker up in the left top corner of the back. Uh, Only you can prevent socialism. And down in the right hand, I think more on the bumper, uh, was Mark Ronchetti for governor. And uh, oh boy, oh I, boy, you know. And listen, that the whoever's driving that car, I'm sure that he or she and I agree on a lot of issues. We, maybe not everything. But when Eddie talks about, you know, whether it's vaccination, I'd, I'd say even beyond vaccination, uh, where were these people uh, running for office? And I just learned about someone down south. I think uh, I forget it. It's a house district somewhere. I just looked at her website. It was sent to me. There's there's no policy agenda. It's just I'm a nice lady from healthcare, and I have a bunch of grandkids uh, on the Republican side. Uh, where were these people speaking out, uh, testifying at, at the roundhouse, being public, being vocal. Uh, I know there's a limit to how much you can achieve going to all these protests, but did they show up even once uh, to fight the raging socialism that happened under 
the coronavirus bailout, uh, ridiculous helicopter money that was flowing into the state. And, you know, it stem it ranges all the way from Washington, D.C., right here to our community uh, in terms of being a disaster. Uh, did Mark was Mark Ronchetti on television, given the weather report those two years? Exactly. Fighting socialism. And Eddie. Precisely. Yep. It's probably a nice middle aged or older mm-hmm. woman. And they the Republican Party's great. Probably think Mark Ronchetti's great. But if you're going to put a sticker on your car saying you oppose socialism and then support a, a, a candidate, any candidate who did not answer the bell over the last two years, folks, uh, uh, you don't have my respect. Yeah, let's also not forget that he was a big supporter of the uh, the uh, Energy Transition Act. And he was also uh, referring to Donald Trump during that time as the orange one. Yes. And uh, he'd lost uh, all his faith in the Republican Party during that time. I think it's time that we start talking about it. I have yet to receive a reply from Mark Ronchetti uh, on the interview requests uh, that I have put out there. He has been dodging debates uh, that are out there as well. I mean, we're, we're going to have a Kiva debate uh, here shortly. We'll see who shows up and who doesn't. Um, you know, but it, he's not the only one, I think, amongst them. I think, you know, you've got a lot of uh, sort of woke Republicans uh, who seemingly are on the side of, you know, patriotism, etc. I think you just got a lot of opportunists um, in some of these uh, uh, gubernatorial candidates. But where have these people been? I mean, at least with Greg Zanetti, we have a complete and total litany of interviews and things that he's been advocating for while he was on the the radio show. Uh, Mark Ronchetti, I've almost got nothing uh, during that entire time. He did run for Senate, almost beat back. But name recognition, folks, isn't going to do it. It's not going to get you your freedom back. So I I urge you to start examining that. Uh, Rebecca Dow has come in. She was absent for her uh, the Energy Transition Act vote out. You have noted that Uh, she's also been involved uh, to a certain degree of being a cheerleader for Spaceport. I like Rebecca. I think she's got a lot of good things. But one of the things that's very disappointing uh, for me is uh, where she's erred on the side of uh, during the last couple of years. And, you know, is that the type of uh, pass that we want going into the governor's mansion? Because I think that that is something that is also probably pretty questionable. So, you know, I, I really think that, you know, we need to put, you know, the, our, 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 their feet to the fire and ask them these questions in the debate. And uh, I, I can just tell you right now, I'm getting texts right now, Ron Kenny won't get my vote ever. Um, you know, uh, I will never vote for Mark Ron Ketty. You know, for the patriots that are out there, um, it says, let's see, uh, doing Hyden Biden will do him in. He needs to show up for the debates and he needs to go ahead and start contesting. I mean, there's a lot of attractive things about Mark Ronchetti. If Mark Ronchetti ends up winning in the primary, I will absolutely support any Republican candidate because I am for anybody but Michelle Lujan Grisham. But at this point, I mean, he is, uh, in my, my opinion, running too middle of the road and that isn't going to be good enough for me in my respect. So, uh, Mark is certainly an affable young man. Um, but he is not polished and he has not been in the uh, trenches, uh, like Greg Zanetti has. Uh, yeah, I just not to make this uh, uh, just to shift a little bit away from Ronchetti, Eddie, because I don't want to necessarily make this the focus of one person, because I think this is a pervasive problem. Uh, you know, two years ago, you wrote that series of, of essays uh, that were heavily focused on leadership in New Mexico. And it's time for <laughs> the, the faithful here in New Mexico, you know, the conservatives, the hell, just centrists, never mind conservatives or libertarians, uh, to look at the last two years um, because 
we, many of us have a social media presence. We have a larger footprint than we used to in the old days. We know what you've been doing for two years, uh, whether you've been out ahead of this. Uh, people like Eddie Aragon, people like D. Del Musk are really stuck our necks out, uh, challenging the conventional wisdom, uh, getting really granular on the data, asking tough questions. Uh, it seems to me a lot of people who are aspiring for office on the Republican side, I won't name any names, uh, they really embraced social distancing, cower at home, uh, publicly either got into, got vac vaccinated themselves, even though they were relatively young and relatively healthy, endorsed vaccination. Uh, they never objected to any of the, 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 the crazy kooky things coming out of the governor's office. Um, folks, you know, we, we know who was with us and who was, and again, who didn't answer the bell. And uh, I, I think uh, as we enter a primary season, there will be and there should be uh, consequences for this. And uh, I think the Kiva's Eddie's going to be pretty good. Absolutely. At reminding people uh, who, who was taking the chance right. and who wasn't. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I did not get supported by Rebecca Dow for my mayoral run. I did not get supported by Jay Block for my mayoral run. I did not get supported by Mark Ronchetti for my mayoral run. One guy who did support me, uh, you know, unequivocally was, was Greg Zanetti. And he also did not get vaxxed. And he's the only one of the four candidates who are in the race that I can absolutely prove that wasn't vaccinated. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to continue to stay there and hold there. And he's also the most likable of the four uh, that are there. So, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I'm only interested in winning the general. I don't give a crap about this primary. I really don't. But I know that there's a lot of misinformation that's going on out there. And people are like, well, the Johnny come lately. I know that there's certain other people that are paying uh, to have certain people uh, go out and work on their behalf in their campaign. That's not going to do it for me. We'll take a couple of quick calls. Uh, very quickly uh here in the kiva eric's got a couple of calls on hold make sure the dump button's on uh eric uh, caller you are in the kiva go ahead going once going twice caller you there call you there yes or no all right uh, go ahead and dump them eric that's good enough for me, caller. Uh, there's nothing. I don't have anybody on the line. Hello, hello. Anybody? Nope. Uh, shut him off, Eric, because I can't hear a single thing he's saying. So it might be going out, but I've got nothing here. So, uh, Dow, that's sort of kind of where it's at. There's just too much on the line here in 2022 during the midterms. You know, uh, whoever's been in the fight is uh, really, you know, ultimately, you know, what I want. And, and speaking of the fight, you know, uh, you know, this also has a lot to do with what's happening in the markets, whether or not you own your own private business, uh, whether you've been writing grants. Uh, is that really a good resume? Getting grants for your educational pursuits? Uh, yeah, you can try the caller again. Go ahead, Eric. But getting grants for your educational pursuits, you got to take three off or, or four off because he's probably echoing back into himself. But if, you, if you're pursuing government grants for educational pursuits, uh, uh, Dowd, I don't know that that's the best qualification uh, for that. So, uh, caller, you're in the Kiva. Go ahead. Still can't hear any. Uh, Dowd, can you hear him on your end? I can't hear him. Go ahead because I can't hear anything on... Coming back on my end, it's not looping back. Go ahead, Dowd, interact with him. $65 that year, uh, with a large chunk of it going to the six-figure salaries of Biden cronies. <laughs> when you're a powerful politician or a political family, you always have a lot of hangers on. Biden cronies uh, got, uh, let's see, a total of 932865 spent that year, large chunk going to their pals. Patricia Daly-Lewis 
served as the Delaware Deputy Attorney General under the late Attorney General Bo Biden. Uh, of course, as I said, passed away before his time, the good brother. Uh, she runs the nonprofit. Uh, she was paid $150,000 uh, and dollars and $150,660 in 2020. And she picked up a three, uh, that was including her $3,500 bonus. That's kind of a sweet, sweet deal. Joshua Alcorn, a longtime Democratic operative and consultant on both Bo Biden's and Joe Biden's political campaigns. That doesn't, I mean, you think they'd pick out like a, you know, pro-life Republican or uh, no, no, of course he'd just be a Democratic Party operative. Uh, he served as chief operating officer, COO, and was paid $131,437. He has since uh, stepped down now. According to Charity Watch, a watchdog group says that it's top rated nonprofits. And this is something we've got a very generous audience. Uh, you folks have to always think about when you're giving money. Is it is it just sort of enriching administrators or is it actually going to achieve the purpose, you know, whatever it is, helping children, running programs, uh, producing research. If you're in the think tank area, you got to be very, very careful about this stuff. And uh, I can tell you about a think tank in New Mexico. You definitely should not give money to. Anyway, getting back to Charity Watch, uh, their ideal is, a well, the minimum is 75% of their budget should be spent on their programs, what their actual mission is. Uh, the Bo Biden charity didn't quite hit the mark. Uh, if 75% is the minimum, what do you think the Bo Biden Foundation achieved in terms of spending a percentage of its budget on actual programs of 72%, 67%, 63%? No, uh, they spent 58%, just 58% of their overall spending went to the cause, the purpose of the actual Charity, uh, according to Lori Styron, uh, the executive director of Charity Watch, a 58% program ratio does not reflect a high level of financial efficiency. It does reflect, uh, you know, a lot of payola to uh, Democratic Party and Biden family hangers on. Uh, Biden's troubled son, Hunter, served on the board of the Bo Biden charity. Boy, Hunter gets around, you know, he seems to have just amazing capabilities. I mean, he knows about the energy sector in Ukraine. He knows about helping kids in Delaware. Uh, he knows about, you know, hookers and blow. I mean, this guy's got a wide ranging uh, portfolio. They're really impressive. And he's an artist. This guy, I mean, forget the old man. I mean, this guy should be president of the United States. So uh, during that time, the Post revealed the discovery of his infamous laptop. Uh, he was serving on the charity, on the board of the charity, the device plastered with a sticker from the foundation. One, one just a little minor, minor part of a much, much larger uh, story. Biden's daughter, Ashley, and Bo's will, uh, widow, uh, Hallie Biden, were also on the board. I guess it's always a family affair when you're with the Bidens. The group uh, said Hallie Biden is the only family member still on the board, which includes, oh, FBI Director Louis Free. That's, uh, this, boy. It's just uh, it's a club and you're not at it and neither am I. Uh, the group said that following uh, Joe Biden's inauguration, it would not take money from lobbyists or foreign donors and would release names of its major contributors on its website. But the organization refused to provide a copy of its 2020 tax filing to The New York Post uh, earlier this month. That's uh, the month of March 2022. It later said the document was available on the GuideStar website, which I use a lot to look up the uh, Salaries and uh, shenanigans of various nonprofit entities. The document posted to the site earlier this week included a list of top donors, but by Friday, that list was missing from the filing. The donors included the Massimo Corporation, a medical device manufacturer, uh, and the Massimo Foundation. Both are headed by Joe Chiani, who gave $750,000 to the pro Biden Unite the Country PAC. I mean, if anything, 
I mean, if you can say anything about the, the Biden administration, it's, it's certainly united the country. Uh, and it was named, uh, it was named, oh, he was named last year to a presidential advisory committee on science and technology. On top of that, his company has millions of dollars in government contracts. Wow. The more you scratch at the Biden family, the more sleazo you uncover. Uh, speaking of other uh, disreputable and just horrible human beings in politics, Mitt Romney, our beloved <coughs> presidential candidate. Uh, something of a, uh, there was a time when I was something of a Mitt Romney expert living in Connecticut uh, earlier this century when he was mayor of Massachusetts. Uh, Mitt was very into, let's see, climate change, uh, pro-choice, he wanted sort of, well, Mitt Care, Romney Care, which would go on to become Obamacare at a national level. And then somehow when Mitt was running for national office, he decided that he was the complete opposite of all those major issues facing the country, you know, environmental and energy affairs, abortion, health care. Uh, he went totally in the other direction and tried to reinvent himself as a conservative. And a whole lot of Republicans thought that was just fine, and they nominated him for president. Wow. Romney, after opposing a particular uh, judicial nominee, uh, Ms. Ms. Jackson, if you're nasty, uh, he has uh, flip-flopped uh, again on our newest uh, member of the Supreme Court or soon to be our, our newest member of the Supreme Court. Uh, he has begun a deeper dive, a much deeper dive uh, that uh, than he did during the prior evaluation uh, when he voted against her uh, as an appellate judge. Okay, so now the Mitster is saying, well, you know, this is a high-profile nomination the supreme court and she's a black woman and you know i'm terrified of anyone writing a uh, nasty editorial uh, about me so he opposed uh, katanji brown jackson uh, for the dc appeals court uh, apparently mitt is evolving in office okay he's evolving when asked about the tone and tenor of her hearing and how his republican colleagues questioned her record romney said he thought some of them asked respectable questions some colleagues on my side of the aisle i thought uh, asked respectable questions and were able to elicit responses from her that I think were very helpful to those that are making an evaluation. Boy, Rom Romney, he's a, he's a smooth honey dripper, isn't he? Uh, Romney added, however, that some Republicans well, whom he did not name used rhetoric that was, quote, a little hot. So uh, Mitster uh, is reevaluating his past opposition to this nominee because it's a high profile nominee at a time uh, when wokeness is pervading our culture. Uh, and if it's one thing you can count on Mitt Romney for, it's for flip-flopping uh, in the face of whatever is uh, trendy. <clears throat> uh, in addition to Mitt, of course, you've got Lindsey Graham, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, other Republicans who are probably going to vote for this uh, nominee of uh, our uh, our president. Let's just call him the occupant of uh, the White House, the occupant of the White House. Uh, more strange things going on in Washington as if the place isn't strange enough. Freshman Representative Madison Cawthorn is in a little trouble with the uh, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy because the youngster made comments on a podcast last week that uh, Rep Republican lawmakers are not super happy about because he kind of suggested that there were orgies uh, and sex crazed parties happening. Wow. Woo. Boy, I joined this conversation back at the right time, Dowd. <laughs> you, 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 you your timing is always impeccable, Mr. Aragon. So uh, Representative uh, uh, Madison Cawthorn is in trouble. Uh, a number of Republicans at a closed-door conference meeting uh, today uh, sounded off to uh, Leader McCarthy about claims that some of his colleagues had invited him to orgies and snorted lines of cocaine right in Jeez. front of them. Uh, I guess one of these lawmakers, Steve Womack from Arkansas, 
Uh, he was very, very angry, said he was getting drilled by, grilled by media members about Cawthorn's claims of drug use and debauchery. Uh, Womack reminded his caucus colleagues that many of them hit the sack at 9 p.m. and still use fax machines and flip phones uh, before. Oh, uh, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's that's the excuse. I don't know enough. I'm not intelligent enough, not in, uh, technical enough. There's no way possibly I could be involved in anything this nefarious. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, I'm, I'm still using the fax machine. There's no way I would know how the rendezvous point for any of these type of encounters that are happening. Wow. That's unbelievable. Hey, uh, just let them know that the password is Fidelio. That's right. That's right. Yes. Nick Nightingale. We'll, we'll give you. A yeah. And then you can rent. Would you like a cape and a mask for, uh, I don't know, $300? You know, I mean, you could do the whole entire thing. You can't make this stuff up, Eddie. Uh, he, so let me give you the quote what he said. He was forever calling Washington akin to a House of Cards, the uh, rather salacious series on Netflix that was out years ago before they dumped. Kevin Spacey over the side. Uh, the sexual perversion that goes on in Washington, I mean, being kind of a young guy in Washington where the average age is probably 60 or 70. You look at all these people, a lot of them that I've looked up to through my life, I've always paid attention uh, to politics. Then all of a sudden you get invited. We're going to have a sexual get together at one of our homes. You should come. Uh, what did you just ask me to come to? And then you realize they are asking you to come to an orgy. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I am a big skeptic of all of the, you know, the, you know, all the pizza gate and all the creepy stuff, you know, all the wild, crazy Alex Jones stuff. You continue to see these stories, Nexium and Epstein. And you've got this young rep uh, saying that there's creepy sexual things going on in Washington. Uh, it, it, these number, these stories just keep coming out. Uh, it doesn't really help the establishment's claim to be uh, pure as the driven snow uh, home at 9 p.m. in bed, faxing uh, papers back to their home district uh, when uh, a rep comes out like this and, and uh, says that there's cocaine and uh, sexual creepiness going on. Lest you think... This is uh, limited to uh, Washington up in the great state of Maine, where I believe. Oh, yes, this is a good one. And, uh, you know, it comes from the left side of the aisle. You know, it's always the Democrats. It is definitely a Democrat. Former Carter administration official. I'm not sure that I want my nephew going up to uh, college in Maine. He's doing a tour, I think, in a couple of weeks uh, going up there to look at BBC. I think it's Bates, Bowden and uh, Colby and uh, I'm really trying to get the kid out to uh, University of Colorado Boulder so we can be close to his uncle but he's an only child and his whole family's in New England and the Northeast so I think he's probably going to stay there and make me get on a damn plane and fly see him for those four years but anyway back to uh, the, what do they call it vacation land is it in Maine the, the, the state nickname uh, up in Maine uh, beautiful place uh, but troubled in a lot of ways a prominent democratic politician in there in the great state of Maine uh, as well as a mega donor uh, he was arrested and charged with possession of child pornography uh, with his bail set at a rather paltry $50,000. Uh, Elliot Cutler, he is in his 70s, arrested uh, on Friday, the end of last week, and charged with four counts of possession of unlawful sexually explicit materials related to subjects under 12 years of age. Uh, this Mr. He's Cutler 75, Dowd. He's 75 years of age, and there's more charges that are coming against this guy. Un unbelievable. Uh, former Carter administration in the 70s, Office of Management and Budget. That's a pretty powerful 
uh, you know, they, they, they determined appropriation. He also worked for the very famous uh, Senator Ed Muskie, uh, and we won't get into the whole crying uh, with the announcement there and whether it was actual snow falling or whether he was actually crying. You know, we'll, we'll go down memory lane uh, some other day. Uh, more charges might be uh, expected uh, against him. Of course, the GOP is trying to score on this, and they as well they should. This is super, super, super creepy. According to the GOP up there, Elliot Cutler is a benefactor of the main, of main Democratic Party candidates and has traveled in elite Democratic circles for many decades, uh, according to a spokesman for the GOP in Maine. His beneficiaries nationwide need to return his donations immediately. This needs to start here in Maine today. Um, elites, you know, if you want to convince me that you're not sex pervs, you need to have you need to stop having all this sex perv stuff coming out in the news from credible sources. You know, when you're indicted by government officials, that's not some guy on the internet and his mother's double wide in Florida somewhere. Okay. So uh please prove me wrong that you're not all creepy sex pervs. But with these stories and these accusations and credible accusations and these charges continuing to come forward, you're pushing me in Alex Jones territory, okay? You're pushing me in Alex Jones territory. That's funny. That's uh, good stuff. You know, uh, uh, incidentally, you should probably, uh, as I mentioned in yesterday's uh, broadcast out, and I uh, hope you can hear me loud and clear now. And, uh, you know, Eric's working through the kinks. Uh, he's a little bit uh, new at this, but he's also very, very much a lover of radio. So, you know, uh, as always, we ask everyone to be as uh, absolutely patient when you can or can't hear us. So I, I got to want to let people know that that's uh, an important thing to do in terms of your patience. But long story short, uh, in all of this, Pizzagate, there's something to that. Not just something, not just, not just the Pizzagate itself, but the judge that's being nominated for the Supreme Court, D. Dowd Muska. Mm-hmm. She has let off several of the people who've been involved in quote unquote Pizzagate during that. So I think it's important for us to go ahead and look into that maybe a little bit uh, further. Sure. Um, so just a little FYI for uh, any and all of you uh, folks uh, for you to pay attention to uh, when it comes to uh, Pizzagate and all those other things that are supposed to be conspiracy theories. I don't think that they are um, it, at all. Um, I think they, there's something to it. I think we need to continue to uh, scratch more and more of the service. Uh, let, let's not forget, uh, it was David Boyce who settled on behalf of Virginia Dufre, yep. uh, who was a Clintonite, uh, part of the controlled opposition that uh, was the ultimate payoff and all that. So there must have been something to the Ep- Jeffrey Epstein case, the connections uh, to everybody from uh, Senator Mitchell, I believe also from Maine, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. And and then, uh, yeah, so, and then uh, you have Bill Richardson, um, you know, Devin Archer, uh, you know, well, you have Hunter Biden involved in all this. I mean, you know, these are the types of things that the very rich and the very powerful don't want to come out down. So I think there's always something to the, the other side of this. Uh, there's uh, very in-depth, uh, the lines run very long. There's a reason why they chose New Mexico. We can go on and on on all this stuff, uh, but uh, I don't think that there's any conspiracy involved in any of this. Who would want to invent or make any of this stuff up in the first place? And uh, how does someone who doesn't know who any of these people are, much less uh, where New Mexico is, how does someone like Virginia Frey and five or six, quote unquote, anonymous uh, sources sort of all concoct uh, essentially the same story? You know, um, remember, 
It was uh, Jeffrey Epstein, who is one of the biggest donors uh, to the Democrat Party, including one Jeff Bingaman, um, also included Bill Richardson and a number of Gary King, who handed back a significant amount of money uh, back that he received in his donations. Hector Balneris, uh, never, uh, as, well, uh, as well as Stephanie Richards Garcia, uh, despite all of the terrible things that they said, or uh, as hard as they seem like they were charging against uh, Jeffrey Epstein, they were never able to do anything, Dowd. And, and, right. and that, in my opinion, I think is uh, sort of the smoking gun. I mean, if I'm the attorney general, if I'm the highest uh, law enforcement official in all the land, I would have done something uh, more than closing a loophole uh, for child uh, pedophiles, including Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, let's not forget, uh, going back to August of 2010, very interesting, those last four months, five months of uh, 2010, the things that happened uh, during that time. And I just got to tell you, Dowd, um, you know, it's not lost upon me. It shouldn't be lost upon anybody else. That one Jeffrey Epstein uh, was exonerated and not uh, uh, supposed to be registered as a quote-unquote sex offender in the state of New Mexico because he had passed the threshold of these 16 uh, years of age. So uh, it all seems to be coming from the left, other than Des Dennis Haspert or Dennis Hassert. Yes. Um, I can't really think of anybody coming from the right side of the aisle who's been uh, convicted. If anybody can and text it in, I'd appreciate that uh, because we want to be reminded of uh, the pervs on the left and the right side. Um, and we certainly know the archdiocese and their proclivities uh, for not just, well, um, <clears throat> Uh, uh, left politics and uh, Democrats, uh, but also their penchant uh, for homosexuality and protecting uh, a number of these priests over the last umpteen years, 20, 30, 40 years, which has absolutely destroyed uh, the state of New Mexico's Catholic Church, the Archdiocese of Santa Fe. So, uh, Dowd, I'll let you make the final comments uh, before we head to the top of the hour news. Great job in the Kiva. Way to rally there, Eric, uh, on the broadcast. You have a very complicated board in front of you, so I'm very proud of you, but uh, you got to be careful where those uh, buttons push. Uh, Dowd, your final comments on uh, my commentary. The main case just bothers me more than, you know, if, if, if our Adult elites want to get together and do God only knows what. That's one thing. But uh, at a time when we have tremendous uh, technological uh, ability to go after, the, you know, the kitty porn folks and uh, the ability to look on people's, you know, machines remotely. Um, don't forget, this is a Democratic Party supporter. This is these are generally the people who say, unless you agree with us on social policy, on welfare policy, you know, you hate children and, 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 and any, any opposition to any, the expansion of any welfare program for children. Uh, if you don't support teacher unions, you hate children. Uh, and it turns out that one of their own, and, and this guy is not alone. There've been other cases as well. Uh, turns out to be a ha or allegedly have uh, uh, interest in, in kitty porn. Uh, the, the hypocrisy of that is, is absolutely breathtaking. And uh, in this day and age, we still have uh, child, uh, child porn problems in this country. Um, ladies and gentlemen, if that's, if you're into that, Go to the Taos Gorge Bridge, uh, look over the edge, and uh, do something. Uh, I won't get into specifics, but uh, uh, you, uh, you're, you're, you're about the lowest of the low um, to perpetuate that kind of crime going forward. So um, that's my um, wow. That's my good, good commentary, Dowd. I'm, I'm with you. About ten to twelve people a year jump off that Taos uh, Gorge. Uh, we can only hope that they are uh, child pedophiles, uh, and uh, that that would be my wish, having uh, suffered from such an upbringing uh, when I grew up. Uh, that's something that uh, it, it impacts you for 
for the rest of your life. Let's hit the top of the hour news. Eric, take us out. Thanks, everybody, for listening right here in the Kiva on AM 600 KIV, FM, rockoftalk.com. I'm broadcasting from the El Paso del Norte Hotel in downtown El Paso, Texas, just a few strides away from Juarez, Mexico. Uh, we had wind gusts of 50, 60 miles an hour, but uh, I got to tell you, it's still beautiful as ever. Rode the scooters uh, throughout the uh, downtown area. It's absolutely gorgeous, and I look forward to bringing my kids down here as well very soon. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hour three, you and me, the Dowd makes three, 3,000 commercial free right here in the Kiva. We'll do that when we return. This is The Rock of Talk on AM 1600 KIVA Albuquerque. Six oh six in the five oh five with more four one one here for your third hour. I'm Eddie Uragon, the Rock of Talk, AM six hundred KIV ABQ dot FM, Rockoftalk.com, broadcasting live from Paso del Norte Hotel in downtown El Paso, Texas. Absolutely beautiful uh, day, beautiful last week here in El Paso. And uh, they need good talk radio here. Uh, it's gone a little bit left, uh, as Las Cruces has. And essentially, it's Las Cruces, El Paso, and Ciudad Juarez, which are all collectively one city of about 2.8 million people, folks, uh, right down here at the border. And you won't see any woke politics uh, down here. Uh, they are uh, a little bit uh, uh, sort of excited about their masking a bit too much. But, uh, you know, this is probably the leftist of any city. If this is the leftist of any city, this would be the rightest of any city in the entire state of New Mexico. Leftest of any city in, in Texas, rightest of any city in uh, New Mexico. That just kind of tells you just like how crazy it is. And when it comes, as I said before earlier this uh, week and last week, when it comes to the dog and pony show, 
uh, the showdown, uh, as it were. Uh, I can tell you, as they say, when there might, when it comes down to the showdown, I love when he starts uh, talking about that, and there will be blood. He says, when it comes to the showdown, yeah, New Mexico and Albuquerque will not prevail against a city like El Paso, Texas. It just wasn't. Doesn't have the amenities. Doesn't have the economy. Doesn't have the uh, surface area for the hotel rooms and restaurants and bars and all those wonderful things. But uh, I want to make sure that Albuquerque can compete in the very near future. It would be nice to do that. And, you know, Jim Long can't own every single hotel, and we don't have just one proprietor, one purveyor of hotels uh, here in the city of Albuquerque. Glad to be here. You and me, the Dowd Makes 3, 3000 here for our three commercial free on Roku TV, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV. Don't forget podcasting on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify, but why not subscribe for less than 20 cents a day directly at rockoftalk.chat. That's rockoftalk.chat. Uh, I hope to be back in uh, the uh, warm confines of the Kiva radio tomorrow and uh, looking forward to uh, doing a little bit of that but Dowd set us up for hour three what do we got well I just wanted to uh, thank you Eric for playing what you played because uh, Tina Turner this is the anniversary of her uh, divorce her final uh, freedom from Ike uh, we don't really want to talk too much about uh, Ike Turner because uh, you know he was like Turner in 1978 uh, I was just thinking reading about the Bo the, the Biden family last hour as a private sector performer, in terms of how much happiness she's brought to people, in terms of how many people she's employed in her acts, in terms of the immense talent that, that is, imbues every molecule of Tina Turner, uh, has she brought more good into the world than uh, Joe Biden's entire political uh, activities and family? Uh, absolutely, Dowd. Yeah, great, good question. I agree. I would probably say yes, uh, yes on that. Um, uh, and we could bring that right here locally here for the local third hour, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Intel, uh, our, our chip plant here, uh, of course, the news break was talking a little bit about Marco Rubio's legislation, of which I think is of dubious value, but we won't get into that right now. We're going to focus on Intel. And Eddie mentioned yesterday he wanted to get to this. We just, I guess, ran out of time. Intel has paid $100,000 to Sandoval County in clawbacks where you get the corporate welfare and you got to kick some of that money back to government uh, related to its Rio Rancho plant. Uh, that was just in 2020. The total it has paid back uh, since 2001 for not hiring New Mexicans uh, is about $1 million. Uh, the chip manufacturing giants agreement with the county, uh, and this gets all complicated in terms of what an industrial revenue bond is, but there is a level of subsidization there, uh, went into effect in 1995 uh, it requires Intel to pay the county $100,000 for each year it fails to meet the hiring goal of 60% New Mexico residents. Now, call me crazy, but 60% is not that high a bar to reach, I would think. Uh, but since that agreement came into place, Intel has fallen short 10 different years dating back to 2001. Uh, in 2020, the most recently recorded year, New Mexico residents accounted for 42, only 42 point. 7% of hiring that year, according to my old friend, uh, Wayne Johnson, who's kicked around politics in, in New Mexico. He's now the Sandoval County manager. I'm sure he's well compensated. Uh, he was able to confirm that in, uh, confirm at least six instances in recent years when the company failed to meet its local hiring goal. Uh, again, that hiring goal of 60% New Mexico Residence doesn't seem all that draconian uh, to me. Uh, he said the county's current accounting software doesn't provide records uh, for before fiscal year uh, 2009. Uh, Eddie, this is a hell of an indictment 
uh, of an education system that is not working in Metro Albuquerque and the state at large. I would say, <laughs> I, I humbly suggest uh, 60%. Uh, they can't even meet that. Uh, what do we always hear in, in New Mexico? Uh, Intel was here because we're such a high tech state and, and we've got our labs here and it's, they, they can't even meet a hiring goal of 60%. They, not even 60% of New Mexico. That's not, that's not even Sandoval County uh, residents. That's New Mexico residents. So presumably people could be driving in from Bernalillo or, uh, you know, Valencia or Torrance or, you know, and anywhere. <clears throat> Quite sad. Uh, I will give the Albuquerque Journal credit for actually reporting this. Uh, it's uh, not often that any local media anywhere uh, doesn't tow the happy, happy, joy, joy, you know, brain, brain, dead, brain dead civic boosterism uh, agenda uh, of any metro area. So uh, I'll give uh, give the journal a little credit for this and uh, more more disturbing facts about the failure of government and uh, local schools are a big, big, big part of that. Uh, moving on to uh, another rather disturbing aspect of New Mexico public policy, <clears throat> feeding children. Uh, some of us, I guess old fashioned, Rip Van Winkle types, we actually think that feeding children is the responsibility of uh, mom and mom and dad, not the taxpayers and uh, the the government. Child nutrition waivers from the U.S. Department of Agriculture have helped ensure that uh, the little kiddos in New Mexico who qualify for free meals continue to get free meals. Uh, the Department of Agriculture expanded access and distribution of free meals for all children uh, in the Rona era. According to the Capitol High School cafeteria manager, Barbara Lopez, uh, she and her staff remained in school even when the kids were kicked out because, of course, they all were going to die from the coronavirus. Uh, at first, uh, she said they were making meals for students to pick up, uh, presumably the parents and the students to pick up. Then they began delivering the food via bus. So I guess you stay at home, don't learn anything, but we will bring you your food. One might think that maybe mom or dad or grandma and grandpa or aunts and uncles and older, older siblings might be involved in actually feeding the children. No, 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 the school district uh, the school district took care of that. Uh, the waivers uh, that the, were passed uh, by the Agriculture Department, the feds, uh, which allowed for free meals for all Santa Fe public school students again this year. You could come from a house with an annual household income of $280,000 and you could still get a free meal. Uh, they are not included in a draft of a new federal spending package. We, we talked about that earlier in the show. Lawmakers are deliberating uh, this month the possibility of losing them, those precious, precious waivers. We got to have our, our Fed waivers. Uh, worries nutrition workers and welfare advocates. Uh, nutrition worker, that's an interesting description of, of, uh, of a job. You're a nutrition worker doing something that the parents of children doing uh the waivers boosted reimbursement rates on meals for school nutrition departments hey everybody's got their hand in the cookie jar and uh departments and organizations and relaxed rules about take-home meals that usually had to be consumed on site uh, all this is a wonderful piece from the santa fe new mexican the daily newspaper of uh fantasy new mexico the city different um i could call it some other things that i won't uh, according to the public schools nutrition director up there elizabeth call she said losing those waivers could result in fewer st students eating school lunch boy that could happen uh liz that could happen or uh the parents the people who brought the children into the world could kind of step up and uh and and, and take care of their students, meals, and nutrition. The district has served an average of 2,600 free breakfasts, breakfasts and 5,650 free lunches every school day this year. Asked if the district was ready to function without the waivers, 
Next year, uh, the uh, uh, Liz here, uh, she, I guess, is the director, uh, Santa Fe Public Schools Nutrition Director, uh, asked if the district is ready to function without the waiver. She wrote in an email, we have to be. It's not optional. We will make it work as best we can. Uh, one of the ways of making it work, of course, would not be uh, bringing in parents and saying, uh, you created these children, so maybe you should take care of them. I'm a big believer in responsibility and uh, shaming and stigma for people who don't take, take care of their children. We, we all used to agree on that in America, but I guess I, I apparently 335 million people. I'm the last holdout. I'm the last holdout who thinks parents should take care of their children. Nobody believes that anymore. About 70% of students in the district, again, this is up in Santa Fe, to say, qualified for free or reduced price lunch in the past with percentages varying from school to school. Many schools in the district, including Capitol High, had high enough numbers, and this is amazing, high enough numbers of students from families using food stamps, otherwise known as the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, because food stamps has a stigma attached to it, so we call it the SNAP program. Now, uh, they were uh, high enough numbers uh, from food stamps benefits to receive free lunches to Everyone uh, serve free lunches to everyone, everyone in the district, uh, whether you uh, lived in a house with a household income of $280,000 or not. Uh, New Mexico School Nutrition Association, I did not make that up. There's actually an organization called the New Mexico School Nutrition Association. Their president, uh, Marie That's John, hilarious. Uh, who's also the student nutrition coordinator up in Farmington, said the copay coverage uh, is only helpful uh, if families fill out the eligibility application. So she's not happy uh, that the, um, in 2020, of course, New Mexico passed legislation covering the copay for students eligible. So uh, the taxpayers picked up the copay. But uh, a lot of these horrible parents, apparently they may have something like, I don't know, you call it perhaps pride or maybe self-respect or something. They're not filling out the eligibility applications, even though technically they are eligible for taxpayer-funded meals for their children. I don't know, self-respect, pride, call it what you will. Uh, according to our uh, nice uh, bureaucrat here, Marie, it's one of our biggest obstacles to expanding the program uh, is these parents just simply uh, will, not, uh, will not sign up, even though they're eligible. Uh, of course, you can't write an article like this without a quote from New Mexico Voices for Children, uh, the left-wing Cookville uh, uh, that once accused me a couple, a couple years ago, accused me of supporting... Uh, a domestic violence against women because I said that it wasn't good for children to be raised uh, in single uh, parent homes with just one mother. You know, children thrive with both parents. That's how we did it for a couple hundred thousand years as homo sapiens. And now we don't do it anymore. But uh, I wrote something about that. And their communications director said that I was uh, endorsing uh, domestic violence against women. That's kind of what, op what level nah, that's good at. stuff down. You, yeah, you very, yeah. very hate, very, very hate, very big hate speech by you. Uh, I will say what Dan Quayle said one, one time, I wear their scorn <laughs> as a badge of honor. Uh, anyway, according to Voices for Children, we do know COVID-19 caused really significant economic challenges for families. No, the policy response to COVID-19 caused those challenges. Uh, Emily, I'm sorry, uh, you don't really get the distinction between the germ and the policy change. Anyway, uh, maybe hadn't experienced that before and maybe aren't familiar with all the programs available. Hey, Emily, you got to leave Voices for Children. You could hire yourself out to the state as someone who can promote, uh, you know, be the PR agent, the marketing agent for uh, free lunches at schools. I mean, if this this is a genuine need out there in the community, uh, in a state, uh, she said, where 38% of families with children report their kids aren't eating enough, uh, she is very concerned that even some families who aren't eligible for free or reduced lunch may struggle to, hey, let, let's expand the parameters of that program. Uh, Eddie, uh, I've titled this, uh, this third hour, New Mexico is a failed state. Um, I think these stories back to back, uh, we can't send enough intelligent, hardworking people to work at Intel 
and uh, leaders at the district level of schools, government schools, are whining, whining, whining that they're not able to hand out enough taxpayer-subsidized meals to children, whether their household actually qualifies for them or not. Um, this state needs an enema. <laughs> That's funny stuff. Hey, Dowd, you know what? I want to go back to what we talked about yesterday. You want to talk about New Mexico in a comparative uh, fashion. Why not take it directly? And this has to do with the Afghan refugees. And I know we sort of touched upon it, shared in the notes last night, but this uh, in-depth reporting, uh, I think, really exposes the other side of this argument better than it exposes their original intent. And that, of course, is those Afghanis who are leaving their families behind to come and settle in Las Cruces, New Mexico, or wherever they might find a better place. And they thought they would find it in a better place, but there's uh, places like Texas, Nebraska, other red states, Iowa, that are doing significantly better. And I just heard this scream at me as... Uh, what is our, our, I know you have New Mexico Voices for Children, but NM Source on the flip side in terms of their reporting was trying to do something that I think that it thought was a good thing by exposing about the unfairness. And what they seemingly have actually uncovered is just how bad New Mexico is compared to red states. They're almost doing the red state work in all of this doubt. And, um, you know, the Afghani uh, refugees who... Uh, any man who leaves his family behind, including his daughters, who are saying, don't go, don't go, don't go. Mm -hmm. And we know just how um, you know prevalent uh, rape is and all this. I just could not get past it. It's like, this guy is literally complaining about government subsistence to the tune of what I calculated roughly was a... About $2,600. So he's getting the, and he's complaining about the fact that he can't find uh, suitable living accommodations, which would also include a three-bedroom home or a three-bedroom apartment. Folks, these Afghani refugees, which have actually come over and settled here, uh, are complaining about the amount of government subsistence. Now, homeless people don't get the amount of subsistence. I would say white trash poor people don't get the level of government subsistence that that these people get and they're getting they're getting 24 to 2600 dollars and he's complaining about it and now he's also complaining about the fact that he cannot make enough money to send it back home and he works in a cheese factory doesn't speak english doesn't have the uh, ability to go ahead and provide and he wants to make sure that he has enough money so he can send back home it's one of the whiniest pieces i have ever heard about getting everything free underneath the sun including leaving the afghanistan region um but he leaves his entire family behind doubt uh i i gotta say that this is uh, the best article that NM Source has actually written, but if you flip it on the other side, you'll actually notice that it is making the case for red state predominance. And this is, uh, dare I say, they've gone into a six-part series on this uh, particular uh, uh, write-up, and they are doing uh, they're doing the work for the right. I wish a gubernatorial candidate or a congressional candidate or a, uh, a state House of Representatives candidate would just show just how inept uh, you know, the state of Mexico, because this also includes the Human uh, Services Department, HSD, 
Uh, that would also include, you know, the, the places where people can get welfare. This is where they're sending Afghani refugees to get government subsistence. And we've adopted no less than 15, I believe is what we have here. Uh, uh, Dowd, I, my jaw dropped with every well, sentence that I read uh, coming from this. And this guy is just bitching and moaning about how terrible his life is. And he has figured out the one true thing in the state of New Mexico, which is if you whine loud enough and you bitch loud enough, you're going to go ahead and get whatever you need to get from the state of New Mexico insofar as you're registered as a New Mexico Democrat, which he probably is in spite of the fact that he cannot. And I would love for you to look into this since we have full names. Yes, we yes. want to get voter registration on these. I guarantee these guys are registered Democrats. Another poster child. We have Jay Cube. Here's this other guy and his family has relocated to the state of New Mexico. We should make him a poster child for Democrats in the state down. Well, I mean, you you have bit and bit hard on this one, Eddie. Uh, it, it has gotten uh, your 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 whatever one point one percent of Irish blood blood uh, up, and I don't I don't uh, I don't disagree with the word you said. And I, and frankly, I think you've made a far subtler point than I was willing to make about this particular series and saying that things could well be very different in another state. It's just New Mexico being New Mexico. And in in the first article, now uh, we spoke about the first article uh, yesterday. Uh, the second article uh, was in the. Uh, the Daily Blast, if you, you got to subscribe, 19.6 cents a day. Uh, it was uh, the second article that came out. And if we have time, this show, we'll get into that. But uh, back to the first article, the list of things that are being provided to these people. Uh, I love the, the, the order of this that our little soy boy from New Mexico source wrote about the five items. Uh, that was being that are being provided to these refugees. Uh, education, transportation. But, but by the way, I hope they're listening, Dowd. I hope these people are listening to this, and I want that. I want to give them my highest compliments for writing this particular yes. article because yes. you know it, they have figured out a way to find the one Afghani. Probably all of them are, but at least the one guy who's willing to take it take it to the hill to complain about everything that he's been given for free yep. for yep. free in the state. It's cr ridiculous. And, you know, as I've said it before, that's the reason I hate Ilhan Omar more than anything else. Uh, it's not religious based. I know, you know, a lot of people don't like Islam, whatever. I'm an atheist. But she came to this country as a, ref well, quote unquote, refugee. I don't know the details of her situation. And all she's done since she arrived is badmouth the country and call the country institutionally racist and then get elected to the country's legislate, senior legislative body uh, on Capitol Hill in Washington, earn whatever, $174,000 a year. And this woman never stops telling us how horrible America is. I think we're breeding future Ilhan Omars maybe in New Mexico. But back to this list of, of items, and I, I tried to do my, my Karnak impression. Some of our older, older uh, listeners might know about uh, uh, education, transportation, medical care, benefits, and jobs, those five items. So just imagine uh, Ed McMahon, education, transportation, medical care, oh, great one, benefits, and jobs. Okay, Karnak's got the hat on. He, he tears it off. He blows it. <sighs> Name five things you can't get in Afghanistan, okay? Uh, they are working uh, a lot, very well-intentioned, probably very left-wing, uh, charitable organizations, religious, the religious left, for lack of a better term, uh, to help these people, and they're whining that there's too many people uh, in their apartments. Eddie, I lived with another guy, not not two other guys, but one other guy in a cockroach-infested apartment in Washington, D.C. when I was getting my uh, uh, degree in D.C. I guess that was part of my white privilege, uh, two guys living in a fairly small one-bedroom apartment with cockroaches. I don't remember complaining uh, a heck of, of a lot about that. It was just sort of 
part of being a college student. Now, the article that is in your inbox today, if you're a subscriber, ladies and gentlemen, from Source New Mexico, uh, an organization overseeing the resettlement of 100 Afghans by a Las Cruces church is investigating whether the church has provided inadequate services following, quote unquote, concerns the parent organization recently received, according to a spokesperson. This is the L. Uh, Cal Calviro United Methodist Church is one of two organizations in Las Cruces being paid to connect Afghan refugees with services and community. Uh, again, two, 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 two things. Let's tear the paper. Uh, services and community. Name two things you don't have in Afghanistan. About 225 of them have arrived in the southern New Mexico City since November after fleeing their home country. So this El Calviro is one of 39 affiliates nationally for the Church of World Service, which is one of nine agencies in the United States that contracts with the federal government, that's your money, uh, to resettle refugees across the country. Uh, part of its mission is to regularly review and monitor how their affiliates are doing, according to a spokesperson. Apparently, they're not measuring up uh, maybe to what the Afghani uh, refugees want down there uh, in Las Cruces. Uh, Eddie, you nailed, you, you nailed it. Uh, I, I, where, where else but New Mexico could you be reading this kind of uh, journalism? I, I don't know. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, I think the comparative, the, the takeaway here is they compared us to Texas, Iowa, Nebraska. There was one other state that I noted that, oh, Maryland, I think, is the fourth, right? And I believe one of the profiles that they have there, uh, his family's in San Antonio, Texas, if I'm not mistaken. They're trying to get back. They want to be, these are Afghani refugees that want to be anywhere but New Mexico, Anywhere but New Mexico. NM Source has decided to interview, and we're probably changing their reporting as we're speaking right now based upon our commentary, because A, they're listening, and and B, we're pointing out, you know, they're trying to get, remember, this is yellow journalism. They're trying to arrive at their political end. Look at all of the bios of the people on NM Source. I mean, just to completely negate them and their background. I mean, these people are angling towards something, and it's, it, it's basically a form of uh, political, uh, I don't know, activism that they, they're doing through their journalism. That's what they're trying to uh, ultimately do. But what's really interesting about this is they've identified four places. Because remember, Larry Hogan, I believe, is the governor of the state of Maryland, Texas, obviously there, um, you know, Iowa, and uh, what was it, Nebraska. These are all Republican states that they're identifying. I mean, the guy at NM Source wasn't even savvy enough to realize that he was endorsing red states through his reporting. <laughs> I don't even know what else I could possibly say. It's like, how it stupid must you be? Like, you're trying your political act. <laughs> right. It's like you're trying your political activism, yet you don't even realize that the states that the Afghanis are actually endorsing are Republican states. There you go. So anyway, I just had to jump in. They did. Uh, they did whine that the MVD uh, in New Mexico uh, state in the United States in the American Southwest. Uh, I think it's Muslim population, Middle Eastern population is probably pretty small. Uh, they did whine that the MVD here, uh, the Motor Vehicles Division, uh, if you're from a DMV state, New Mexico is an MVD state. Uh, there's no interpreter. Uh, the MVD doesn't even employ one, never mind 10 or 20 uh, interpreters in uh, Pashto or Dari, uh, the common languages spoken in Afghanistan. Oh, so yes, we'll that's, right a, that's huge. If you can't, yeah, if you don't have interpreters in Pashto or Dari, oh boy, you're, you're really, you know, a New Mexico is a state so bad that recent Afghan refugees are even figuring out ways 
to complain about the state of New Mexico. How am I, and they don't realize that every statewide office is occupied by a Democrat. Your governor's a Democrat. Your attorney general's a Democrat. You're sending every single, and they're figuring out ways to complain about the state of New Mexico. They're essentially just complaining about Democrats, Dowd. Uh, I think that's, uh, that's the long and the short of it. Uh, if you want the link to that and all of our commentary and want to relay our interest and our insight into this particular article, uh, Dowd, uh, it's so, such good writing. I'd like to send uh, them a personal uh, thank you card and a, and a bottle of, well, they probably don't appreciate champagne. Uh, probably just send them, uh, I don't know, a, a bottle of something uh, while they're at it so that they can enjoy the good work that they've done. We've got Maybe about another uh, 14 minutes. Uh, yeah, uh, just uh, we are running yeah, out of time. Yeah, there we go. I did want to get to uh, a couple other New Mexico stories that are just un unbelievable. Uh, saying on our going down the woke path of destruction um it it, it is a a sad reality in too many tribal communities in our country and uh, uh the, the socioeconomic conditions i don't make light of that at all uh we have native american listeners uh, one of them recently a number of weeks ago called me crazy uh uh wait a second wait a second wait a second smart so i, I wanted to know whether i was crazy or smart or crazy smart. I'm still trying to, Levi, if you can get in touch with us, because I still want to know where exactly I fall along that. Uh, I think it was meant as a compliment, and, I, and I'm choosing to take it as a compliment. Uh, we love our fellow uh, Native American communities. There's so much good about uh, uh, folks who uh, live on the tribes or grew up on in, in tribal properties and reservations, Pueblos, that sort of thing. But um, where you lose me, uh, and I always root for this community, as, as sad as things can sometimes be in these communities, where you lose me is when you end up embracing uh, the woke nonsense. And of course, in New Mexico, we have 11% of our population uh, considers itself Native American and is you know, is Native American, uh, highest percentage in, in the country, a huge part of New Mexican culture. Uh, and uh, it saddens me that we continue to have a lot of divisions over these issues. These divisions are not helped when the Biden White House, which organized the Native American Voting Rights Report, uh, I guess they had a lot of really smart luminaries uh, when they weren't at their sex orgies in Washington, they were writing the Native American uh, Voting Rights Report came out uh, showcasing all the barriers that uh, Native voters face. And uh, Brianna Albizu, uh, a reporter for KOAT, covered this, of course, with no criticism whatsoever, just repeating everything uh, ad nauseum from uh, the official line. Uh, someone in this report who really did not distinguish himself is the pretty unimpressive brian sanderoff the political expert who uh, i guess makes a living doing polling and being a commenter in, in local media <clears throat> he said that uh, native americans make up 10 percent of the state's population last time i checked that was wrong it was 11 percent, but only six percent of the state's uh voting population of course sanderoff buys into all this all these barriers and and ways in which uh evil whitey tries to keep native american communities uh from voting uh, unbelievable. According to Sanderoff, there are many urban native. Wait, wait, doubt he actually picked all this data. Up, he actually picked all this data apart and you know did a compare and contrast of no, an active reflection. He, just, he was just a pundit saying what he was supposed to say. Uh, I guess he had no role uh, in this report that came out of the White House called the Native American Voting Rights Report. I know that Ben Ray Lujan, I think, has drafted legislation responding to the Native American Voting Rights Report and all the horrendous barrier, barriers that evil Whitey uh, erects to Native communities, uh, which are kind of self-governing. So you'd think that, you know, when it came to voting, that that's the responsibility of the tribal government. So I don't really know what role evil Whitey plays in this. But anyway, uh, Sandoroff said uh, many Native Americans who live in the Albuquerque area, uh, especially among young people, many of whom haven't really participated in the political 
process where Sandroff, uh, who's never really impressive, completely goes off the rails, Eddie, and this is really vile stuff. Uh, if you believe in, in enlightenment principles of treating people as individuals, the kind of concepts the country was founded on, uh, you are not your group. You are you. You can believe uh, and work toward goals that are yours, not uh, according to what your skin color is or your language or the religion you were raised in or whatever. Uh, Sandoroff said the native vote could make all the difference when looking ahead to further elections. This is an exact quote from uh, Mr. Political Expert here. Uh, quote, particularly when Native Americans vote as a block for a particular candidate, they can have a big impact on the election. In a real close election, the Native American vote could make a difference in the outcome. Uh, I am uh, Irish and Scandinavian and Slovak. I have no Native American genes at all. If I did, I would see this as pure, unadulterated uh, bigotry, racism, call it whatever you will. The idea that Native Americans should be acting uh, en masse as a voting block, because of course all Native Americans agree on every public policy debate that we have in America, right down Washington, right down here to your local community. Uh, Eddie, this offends me probably more than anything I've read in the last couple of weeks. I mean, I'm not a fan of Sandoroff. I'll come right out and say it. Uh, I'm not a fan of this guy. I've never been impressed by him. The idea that he's arguing that Native Americans can boost their political clout when they vote as a block, as if they are mind numb robots, automatons that aren't allowed to disagree with each other on anything is incredibly offensive to me. I know we have an outrage industry uh, and my, my Irish is up on this and I try to avoid the outrage industry. Were I Native American, nonetheless, this would offend the hell out of me, Eddie. Well, Dowd, I think the other thing that can be suggested here based upon the analysis that he's reporting is that he's turning a political, as he says, block into a political activism uh, mechanism to shift Senate runs, gubernatorial runs, anything else. I mean, you'd essentially turn any of these campaigns into an aim towards to appeasement of a particular community. And I think what he's actually directing here, let's not forget Michelle Lujan Grisham and what she's done during the COVID-19 pandemic and how she's pushed forward those policies and the number of uh, registrants on the Navajo Nation and the 22 other reservations that are completely advocating for Democrat policies. So uh, Sanderhoff is doing the work of the Democrat Party. Uh, he's essentially becoming a political hack, uh, exposing what he thinks is the Achilles heel of the Republican Party, because there aren't very many, uh, you know, again, the, the racism assertion that I've stated before certainly evident. I mean, I'm 26% Native American, uh, you know, 62% uh, Hispanic, uh, pure Hispanic American, and I'm I'm proud to say both of those. And any kind of advocacy for one or the other is a form of racism. He's trying to whittle down, I think, some level of advantage for Michelle Lujan Grisham in the gubernatorial race. I don't think I'm going too far in, in to suggest that, but. Um, I think I'm probably um, we're going to have to uh, you know take a deeper dive into this, but we've seen what Red Nation has done. We've seen what Ray Garduno has done in terms of converting the Columbus Day into the first national holiday, or excuse me, local holiday for Indigenous Peoples Day, becoming uh, 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 essentially uh, I think eliminated in maybe 12, 13, 14, 15 states. We've eliminated Columbus Day, now Indigenous Peoples Day. I think this is a, a form of political activism through his polling in uh, creating some slices uh, for some advantages uh, for the Democrats because 
Hey, let's not forget the drunk engine who just uh, recently resigned and won't uh, decide to go ahead and... Yeah, and you might find that to be a little bit strong, but it is something I think that is factual. It is something that is there. Uh, alcohol uh, abuse on the Native American, uh, uh, Native American Reservation has been huge, folks. And uh, you had a congressional uh, 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 candidate, I think uh, we called the DUI Deb, uh, Deb Holland, DUI Deb for a reason. I believe she had no less than four DUIs. And then the CD1 representative who wanted to run for her seat, uh, she lost. I think she came in a third, a distant third or or fourth. You know, she comes from, I believe, as well as a Laguna Acoma background. You know, they've got bigger fish to fry here. If you want to run on an actual uh, uh, issue here, it's the amount of dependency, depression, and uh, DUIs that are coming from the Native American reservation. Uh, nobody can put it to, get, uh, to you guys uh, more plainly than I just did. And I think it's something else that uh, people need to pay attention to. Uh, Sander Hoff is uh, exposing himself as a political hack uh, that he is uh, trying to go ahead and create racism for an advantage for the Democrat Party. I uh, couldn't agree more, Eddie. And, 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 and the way in which and, you, and you, you taught me this, Eddie, and I wouldn't have gotten it because I'm too much a part of it myself by being a whitey McWhitey from the East Coast. Uh, in addition to the Spanish culture here, the Native American culture, the way in which uh, the condescension that rich white liberals show to native communities here uh, is 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 offended, offensive on so many levels. I could tell my story about the chemo theater, but we're running out of time. Uh, it is just uh, ridiculous. Uh, they don't see these people as human beings with their own thoughts and, the, and their own concerns. And uh, it's just vote, you know encouraging them to get more politically active so that they can vote on a as a block and influence elections. I hate to tell you, Sandoroff, I know your whole world is politics. You're kind of Joe Monahan with a PhD. Uh, the rest of us are trying to work at a much more fundamental, cultural, spiritual, even soul level to solve some of the problems in America. And voting as a block uh, from your group, of course, which you can't depart from uh, in any way, uh, is uh, really not the answer. Maybe you should uh, swing by the Kiva. We will uh, disabuse you of, of, of some of your um, some of your concerns. Uh, we've lost Eddie again, so I will. No, Eddie's there. We got it. Oh, we got it. No, 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 I'm here. I, I am here. Yeah, you can hear me loud and clear. I got to, you know, my, my son's requesting an, a game right now on his, on the app store. So, uh, yeah, any anytime those two guys uh, request uh, any time that uh, they get a little bit of me. D-Dad Muska, take us through the top five uh, per request. Uh, you get that uh, each and every day. All you have to become is a subscriber for less than 20 cents a day directly at rockoftalk.chat. These are, of course, as chosen by you, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we urge you uh, to go ahead and become a subscriber and you get the full annotated notes of the show as well, uh, not to mention the video of the show uh, in its entirety. Uh, and I'm broadcasting live from the Paso del Norte Hotel in downtown El Paso. Dowd, our top five. Uh, yeah, Eddie, we are five subscribers away. I want five subscribers this week and we will surpass our record for gross annualized revenue since we went up on Substack, uh, well, over a year and a half ago now. So uh, they rejiggered their algorithm. So we are just five subscribers away from a record for our gross annualized revenue. That means I get to do continue doing uh, what I do. So folks, uh, rockoftalk.chat, we just need five subscribers this week. Uh, number one, most clicked item, car in Albuquerque riddled with bullet holes. Uh, two victims uh, two victims uh, resulted from this. One of them, uh, a child occupant, uh, still in critical condition. 
some things never change in Albuquerque, do they? Uh, that was Albuquerque Raw, the website there. Uh, wonderful story that Kirtland released, uh, a press release, not a story yesterday, Kirtland Air Force Base, a retired military dog, big old German shepherd uh, is retiring, I think after something like eight years on the job. We love to see uh, some positive stories and I'm sure he was out, you know, patrolling the fence lines and keeping the aliens out or keeping the aliens in, you know, I, I, I don't know. Uh, number three, uh, great, great uh, story as well. For another reason, uh, Messia, school employee, uh, he was arrested for, I don't want to get into it, involved a middle school student, uh, the less said about that. Boy, bureaucrats, uh, they're a great group of people. Uh, number four, back to the Daily Skeptic in the UK, great website. There were not unprecedented heat waves at the poles of the Earth, the North and the South Pole last week. They explained to you why the media coverage of that was absolute Nonsense. And number five, we discussed it when we opened up the show today, the Cato Institute's analysis of Biden's budget deficits. They are as far as the eye can see. Don't buy the nonsense that uh, <clears throat> middle class Joe is looking out for the long term fiscal health of the country because he's not, ladies and gentlemen. There's no doubt about it and uh, no doubt about it. Looking forward to Saturday's first show of Saturdays in the Salon in the Kiva with D-Dad Muska and myself. Not to mention Spirits of New Mexico as well. It's a 10-hour extravaganza from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. each and every week uh, going forward as uh, we replace uh, the handle on the law and we put that at another time on the weekend. We appreciate everybody as always tuning into the Kiva. Thanks, Eric, for putting the show together. Dow, thank you. I'll be back in the Kiva live in the broadcast booth finally after one week and uh, we worked out all the kinks we can do remote broadcast if you want to become an advertiser of the radio station go ahead and uh, dial in directly by texting me directly so i can put you in touch with rudy grande directly at 550 50 500 that's 550 50 500 see you bright and early tomorrow 4 p.m right in the kiva on am 600 ki the abq.fm rockoftalk.com broadcasting live from the paso del norte hotel where five presidents have stayed and uh, two Mexican presidents have stayed. We'll see you tomorrow right in the Kiva. This is The Rock of Talk on AM 1600 KIVA Albuquerque.